Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sherrod, and this is episode 71. This episode, I'll be interviewing Coach Ben Anderson. Uh, He's a former pro basketball player turned master CPPS coach, runs basketball skills, strength, and addition classes for youth athletes in Utah, and his focus is on education, athletic development, and building character in and out of the weight room. So, you know, he goes the extra mile. This is was one of my favorites because I love talking, obviously, basketball. We're talking about strength conditioning and tying those two together. That's obviously the big focus for me because that was the focus of my book. So um, I'm really excited, and I hope you guys are too. Without further ado, let's get clean. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hey, Cleo. How's it going, man? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. How are the kids treating you today? Oh, oh! I didn't work today. We, uh, I, I, it's not coincidental that it's. Uh, I'm in Utah, which is one of the most religious <laughs> parts oh, of the yeah. world. It's but, the Lord's uh, no, day. <laughs> it's the Lord's day, exactly. But uh, yeah, no, didn't work today. So it was uh, today's family day, and uh, and then I, I do get, that. I I'm not it. religious. There you go. There you go. I, I mean, I think you need one day off, right? Even if yeah. you're doing like a three day split or a four day split, we're always doing other stuff. So yeah. So yeah, so Sunday you kind of catch up on other things, but but yeah, no, no work today. Just uh, yeah, but I did actually come into the gym to do this because I knew I wouldn't have a whole lot of uh, background noise. So, <laughs> so that'll be nice. <laughs> All right. So just start off by telling everybody who you are. You know what you do for a living. Cool, man. Yeah. Um. So my name is Ben Anderson. Um. What do I do? So, um. If you were to slap a label on me, I am a strength and conditioning coach or a personal trainer. I don't like the name personal trainer so much anymore because mm-hmm. I feel like there's such a, uh, forgive the term, but a douchebag association with, yes, yes. you know, <laughs> the amount of bad trainers are out there. So I think when people say they're a personal trainer, the first thing that comes into mind is a, a commercial gym guy that's, yes. tech, you know, either trying to pick up on chicks or they're, <laughs> you know, telling someone to do something on a machine and then texting behind their back or so. So anyways, so, um, but yeah, so what I do though is I run a, um, I feel like it's a pretty unique program. I run um, a basketball skills training development program and it's fused in with strength and conditioning. So we'll uh, have the kids come in and I'm sure you'll have questions about this too, but we'll have the kids come in and do a, a dynamic warm up, and, um, you know, and then uh, we'll get into our skills training. So just like a workout in the weight room, there's an agenda for the day and there's a plan. Nice. Um, and then obviously, obviously you always, always have to auto correct and uh, auto regulate, I should say. Um, yeah. on those workouts but um, you know there'll be certain things I want to get through on the court um, whether it's boxing out drills or defensive minded drills or shooting drills and then um, depending on time management we'll get a little bit of a game going and then from there we go into our strength and conditioning and and again depending on the day we we do different things there so but yeah I start with kids um, man I, I never said I'd take kids younger than six but I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of parents bro that lie about their kids age Mm. to get them in a program and um you know but when you ask the little kid hey how old are you and they're like i'm five I'm like oh okay i have a five-year-old <laughs> but then we go it's, it's crazy but you know they're close enough to six that the parents justify the lying so uh yes. but yeah no then we go all the way up to uh college age kids so mm-hmm. yeah that's that's taken up uh the vast majority of my my time and then i still do uh one-on-one or small group trainings here and there but yeah i would say that's my primary um job right there 
Now, do you, are you like, what's your title? Are you, do you own the gym? Or are you like the director of performance at the gym? I, what, so what, yeah, no, great question. So I, um, I am the owner. So the name of my company is Breakthrough Strength and Conditioning. And, mm-hmm. um, I am like the, the sole operator of that. But, um, in terms of the space that I use, um, yeah. I, basically sort out like kind of a facility that I felt like we could use it in and, and, yeah. and do the program. And, and, uh, fortunately, um, it's a, it's a great company and a great group of guys that said, yep, come in and they, they let me use whatever hours I want. And, um, very, oh, so you just like pay I, rent for that place or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm on, yeah, a, I'm on a revenue split. Uh-huh. Yep. So that way I don't have to really worry about the overhead. I don't have to worry about, you know, I'm in the gym, 14 hours a day. What about right. the other time of the day? Like, how am I going to make money? So I, I'm not worrying about that, but obviously yeah. there's pros and cons to everything too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I have uh, essentially what you call it, a revenue split with these guys and, um, but they like leave me alone. And if I need something from me, from me, if I need something from them, then they help me out. And it's a really cool relationship right <clears> now. So, so how'd you get to focus on basketball? Did you play or coach first? And then that's how you got your focus more on that. Yeah, um, so I, I was born in New Zealand. Um, There's the accent, yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more because anyone that's a Kiwi out there is going to be like, he's not a New Zealander. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what is would, that? You guys got that yeah. beef. See, oh, man. <laughs> and see, I'm on both sides of the fence there. So I, um, with with the Kiwis, right, if, um, if you were to say, like, all right, who do you want to win if they're playing in Australia? I'd say it depends on the sport. Um, right now, in terms of uh, rugby, I'm always going to go for the All Blacks, which is our New Zealand team, right? Um, I was not a Wallabies rugby fan at all. Never liked them, still don't. Uh, but when it comes to basketball, man, I'm, I'm almost a little bit more 50-50 now because I'm so proud of how, how far both programs have come. Like, Oh, yeah, they got a lot of NBA players now. Oh, my goodness. The talent coming from New Zealand is amazing. And then, and then Australia, too. I mean, our Australian team, we beat the U.S. team um a couple of years ago in like one of it wasn't the olympics but in one of the the world trials and i was just yeah, like well that yeah. that doesn't happen you know because yeah, you got like three or four guys that all play in the league i think yep I of course yeah yep and then our pro leagues have really come a long way so so to, just to answer your your question though so i was, I was born in new zealand and then when we're, my family was uh, like three years later so when i was like three we moved to melbourne australia we relocated and so i grew up in melbourne and um I, I grew up playing basketball, a little bit of Aussie rules football as well, but mainly basketball. And I got to play at a really cool level in my juniors. So I made my state team and we took second in nationals, which was a pretty big deal. And, um, you know, I got to play against some pretty, you know, uh, cool kids growing up. Like Andrew Bogut was a little bit oh, older okay. than me, but I played against him a few times. Hated his guts. Champion. Uh, yeah, he is. Is he an uh, asshole? Nah, you know. <laughs> is he dirty <laughs> like he was in the NBA? Yeah. Let's just say he had sharp elbows, bro. <laughs> but no, he was kind of quiet. But like you could tell because he was such a big dude, you could tell he knew he was going places. And so I mean, it might have been a bit of chip. And he should have that chip on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. On him. It, it, wasn't he taken number one in the 04 draft? Oh, I think he was number back, one. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He came he in that early. One. I didn't know he came in that early. Yeah. He, so I only knew him from the, when he got to the Warriors, basically. Okay. Yeah, because he had a really good run with the Bucks And um, – yeah, so good on him. He did a good job. And um, so, yeah, but I played against Bogut there. And, and um, anyways, so after um, when I was 18, my family relocated again to America. Um, mm. And, you know, long story short, I was actually able to get a, a pro contract to go back and play in New Zealand. So 
Okay. I finished my basketball career playing for the Manawatu Jets. And um, so I'm a bit of a mutt. So, you know, born mm. in New Zealand, I've got huge ties and roots in that country. I love it to death. Uh, Australia is what I would consider <laughs> like my first real home. And mm. then now I've lived in America now since the end of 03 off and on. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a mutt, you know. I'm a mutt. How'd you get to accent. Utah? Oh, man. Um, so, okay, so my sister married a bloke from uh, northern Utah. Mm-hmm. in uh, like 2002 or something like that and then my parents are just like hey we need to move over to be close to them you know so we literally <laughs> came over in like groups of two there were seven of us in our family and my dad and my brother came over then I came over then my my mom came over with the other two and it was this really really uh difficult move but it was just an effort to stay close with my immediate family so mm-hmm. so yeah we ended up in uh, a small town in Utah for a little while and then um yeah, it's, I still can't believe we live here, to be honest with you. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good place. It's a good place. Mm-hmm. You ever think of leaving Utah? Well, you, now your business is there, so it's kind I of- did. Yeah, I did for a long time because um, I've been here long enough now that I, you know, had, could have gotten citizenship a few years ago. And to be honest with you, I just I I watched my sister and my <clears throat> dad and my mom and my brothers go through that citizenship ceremony. Yeah. And um, in that ceremony, they make you put your hand over your heart and repeat this oath. And uh, I took it very literally and serious. And, and um, in that oath, it's you denounce any allegiance to any other country. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, which, which is how it should be. I, I agree. But at the same time, I'm like, well, Australia is not a bad country. Like, I, like yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not Russia. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Um, so I just felt like, man, I, just, I don't want to do it. And I wasn't happy with who the president was at the time. And then I'm like, and then I really wasn't happy with who the president was at the time. And then, so I'm like, I just end up making the decision based on, okay, now I'm married. Um, I had two kids at the time, you know, I've, I've, we just had our, um, our third child four weeks ago. Um, so my brain's a little scrambled today. It's because of the lack of sleep, mm. but, um, but yeah, no, for the longest time I was thinking, uh, I need to leave either the state or I want to go back home to Australia, but. But now it's like you said, my business is here now and things have grown and really blossomed. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Like I'd be starting all over. And um, yeah. so I'm not, I'm not saying no to a move in the future, but as of right now, I think, you know, it'd be my, my kid's best interest because they're, you know, six and three and then obviously four weeks old. It'd be best for them to stay here and have that. Cause I know what it's like to move across the world when you're a teenager. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, um, but yeah, sorry, your original question was, how do I get into basketball? So I had that history in basketball and, um, yeah. and um, right before I went over to play pro in New Zealand, I had gotten a certification to be a personal trainer at gold's gym, the, mm-hmm. in the franchise in, in Salt Lake. And, um, you know, I was just doing the whole, you know, personal training thing and, and I was really trying to kind of find what my identity was. So uh, back then, you know, being really honest about it, I think I was just doing a lot of bodybuilding type stuff. And and uh, the packages that they would sell clients coming in would be 30-minute training sessions. And then you'd Ugh. either see them once a week, twice a week, or three times a week. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to train people for 30 minutes a day <laughs> once a week and get them results? You know, so that – I saw major problems there. So I started to, the wheel started to spinning, you know? Um, and then I got a, I got a client that was a young client, like a 16 year old kid that had played basketball. And at this stage I loved basketball, but I just didn't 
see myself working with like basketball players at all. So, but I got this opportunity to work with this kid, and and then I started going to his games to watch him play, and and then it started pulling at the heartstrings a little bit, you know, mm. and um and then that's when I felt like okay, the whole personal training thing is great and everything. No disrespect to people that want to do that, that's great, but for me to truly feel like I'm making a difference and being passionate about what I am doing, I feel like I need to be working with with basketball players in the weight room um and then that kind of really opened up that door so and then i went and played i, I hurt my knee I, I hurt my knee in new zealand um my patella tendon like almost mm. like basically exploded um I, I got it's funny i got diagnosed with tendonitis and i'm like nah man this is not tendonitis you know <laughs> um and uh but yeah when i when they opened me up and opened me up on the operating table they said yeah you were one bad jump or one bad squat away from rupturing your patella tendon and i'm like okay so i called my coach i'm like you see that so yeah um but from that experience of going through physical therapy it made me really kind of realize like all right at the time so this was 2000 and oh crap what was it 2012 ish um it made me realize like okay i felt like there was a big gap for quality strength and conditioning in with basketball because I feel like baseball football martial arts you know there's always been like a solid foundation there like the football players were trained the right way the baseball players were trained the right way with basketball though I just felt like they were treated like volleyball players it's just like a lot of jumping a lot of plyometrics um, you know it's all concentric dominant stuff there's like no tempo work there's no eccentric uh, focus yeah. and it was really kind of pissing me off because I'm like listen if I knew this stuff it could have helped me out with my own training during my career i want to help other kids out and and other athletes out so that way they can have a longer career and train the right way rather than just trying to focus on their vertical all the time through excessive jumping and they're not landing the right way either you know um so so that so anyway so that led me to um uh the certification which i i felt like was the life-changing one for me so um i i did the nasm one which to be honest with you i thought was crap but whatever mm-hmm. um but then i came across an article in t nation um do you remember the t nation articles they're still going yes but, yeah yeah okay and uh joe defranco uh put out an article and it was mm-hmm. basically like build your shoulders without going heavy and i'm thinking well what is this and the the video was um of a guy named triple h so i don't know if you're a <laughs> w- wwe fan um, no, but I know who Triple H is, yeah. Of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was a Triple H, so I watched the video, I read the article, I'm like, okay, so I tried it out. And anyways, that opened up the window to to Joe DeFranco, which led to to Smitty, and then that whole CPPS um, style of training and, and that, that whole method. And uh, that's really what kind of changed my mind of how we should be training um, athletes and, and how we should be training ourselves as coaches. And, um, there's so much flexibility, but there's, pardon me, but there's so much, um, structure within that, that system. So that got me from the gold's gym to, I got to get out here kind of a thing. And then I actually got a, um, uh, an internship, uh, with the university of Utah and I got to work with, um, a lot of their teams and men's basketball was one of them. So I got to work with Kuzma in his last year. Um, and the other name that some people might know is Cedric Bearfield. He's playing pro overseas and he played with the G League um, in Tulsa as well. But but working with those guys it, it made it a little bit more, the dream became more of a reality. You know, like, okay, I can do this. Now, what avenue do I want to take? Do I want to go through, you know, the school system and try and be at a, at, at a university or do I want to go to the private sector? And actually, I saw 
I, I mean, I understand why people want to work with Division One athletes in the school system, but there's so many flaws and you're a victim of so many things that I felt yes. like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the money's not there either, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to get I mean, lucky, stay with a certain place and get results to eventually you, make big money. But that's a lot of ifs. Dude, a lot of ifs. And you've got to have like the right relationships and, and foster those relationships with the higher ups and all that. And I just, I mean, I, I'll be nice to everyone, respectful to everyone, but I'm not an ass kisser, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do my own thing. So I, yeah, that's what led me to this. Um, so I'm, you know, doing my own thing and, and um, I work with a lot of local kids, but then it's starting to take a name for itself. And, and um, you know, so now I'm getting to work with college athletes now and, and it's been a really, really cool experience. So I'm really sorry. That took me, well, like nine minutes to answer that one simple question. No, but more in depth. There's always, always <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a more complex answer than you think. So. And then, um, so through... Uh, Joe and the CPPS, is that how you got put onto all the conjugate stuff and learning about Westside and Louie and them? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of like backtrack a little bit too, but growing up, like I was, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Rocky movies, mm-hmm. uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. So like I was always, you know, workout minded. My dad had a gym in our house and he would have me in there doing like lap pull downs and telling me like, Hey, visualize, you know, a rebound. And like, there was always that. So those seeds were there, you know, there's the sports psychology, there was the visualization, there was the strength training. Um, and then my mom was very active. She taught aerobics for a while, but when, when it came to, um, the conjugate stuff, so I would say I was first introduced to that when I first heard about Mark Bell. Do you know who Mark Bell is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and his brother, Chris, came out with that, that movie, Bigger, Stronger, Faster, right? Mm-hmm. And um, while the focus on that movie was about performance-enhancing drugs and sports, and, in, and not even sports, but music as well, there was that scene where it flashes to West Side Barbell, and then it shows, I think the, the overview was, uh, the, the voiceover was, you know, this is where the strongest athletes in the world come to train, and I'm like, what yeah. is this, you know? <laughs> so that was my introduction into... Louis Simmons um, and the West Side Method and Conjugate. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So it took me down a rabbit hole, right? And then mm-hmm. Joe, I don't think he ever um, trained at West Side, but I know that he was heavily influenced by him. So was Smitty. So that, you know, through that, it was just a lot of reading, a lot of books, a lot of articles online. And then YouTube was starting to come around. So then you got to watch a lot of YouTube training videos. But, um, but yeah, fortunately, the CPPS and the West Side Method, there's some similarities there. And so there was a lot of crossover, like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I can do this. I can do this. Right. So, yeah, that's what got me into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so <clears throat> how do you guys balance um, going from the court to the weight room? Like, do, you, do you guys let them cool down again, have, like, a snack? What, what do you – how do you organize the training between, like, you know – a heavy base defensive layup drill type of day. Yeah. What's the lifting look like on that day versus like spot up shots and free throws and stuff like that and more in place dribbling? Like, what is it? So, how do you organize the training based on? I mean, they kind of they should be based on each other, but like, yeah, you like since you're able to plan it out and you have the kids for both, yep. how have you worked that out? That's a great question. And I wish mm-hmm. I got asked questions like that more often by like parents and stuff, but they don't know, you know, yeah. so they don't know to ask that stuff. But yeah, no, absolutely. Because I'm like really big on planning. But like I said earlier, um, you always have to auto-regulate because some of my classes are huge. Like we have like 30, 33 kids. And then I have classes that have like 10 kids. Um, But the way I structure it, so 
will come into the court and I'm, I am never an advocate for saying, do your lifting and then come in and work on your shot. Cause I think that's just going to mess you up. Right. Mm -hmm. So we always make sure we get our basketball work done first. So with our warm up, depending on the day. So let's say, um, we'll just talk about tomorrow. So tomorrow is a full body day for the kids that come in. The kids that come in on Monday are a Monday, Wednesday, Friday program. So I see them three days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, their Monday workout is a full body. So I am going to extend their warm up from, the dynamic movements, you know, walking single leg RDLs and, you know, uh, the, the tib raises and, and like just certain movements. Um, I'm going to extend that into some jump training as soon as we get done doing like the, like the basic part of our warm up. So we'll do some depth jumps. Um, we might even get some sled drags in there real quick. Uh, we'll do some med ball throws, things like that, that you would typically program at the beginning of a dynamic effort day um, right. for CNS activation. I'll get that in in the, in the extended warm-up part. From there, we're going into the court. Now, for tomorrow, what I have planned, um, it's funny we're talking about defense, I have um, three defensive drills that one of is more of an endurance drill. So it's um, where they backpedal, backpedal, like kind of switching. They're following a ball handler, so they're going side to side. Right. So they're getting a lot of hamstrings. When they get to half court, they got to sprint to the baseline and get the next ball handler. So they're going to go through three. Oh ball yeah, I know that. Yeah, each. that Kobe, yeah. the Kobe one. I think was 100%. that you that posted? I probably was looking at. I have. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, man, I wish I could have showed that to somebody because I, I used to do a lot more skill training when I was in New York, and it basically yep. switch swapped when I went down here. But that's one of my favorite yeah. drills. But yeah, I would love so good. As soon as they see someone they like, they're like, oh, this is important. I'm like, yeah, idiot, it is. <laughs> there you go, right? Because it's funny. I, I've, I've. I've experimented with that. Like I've been like, all right, guys, we're going to do this drill. I'll demonstrate it. You know, I do a really good job. Like you know, I'm busting my ass and everything. <laughs> and then, and then three minutes into the drill, I, bl I have to blow my whistle. Stop. Everyone come over yeah. here. I'll pull out my phone. Watch this. And who is it? <laughs> it's Kobe, right? <laughs> all of a sudden yes. their eyes get big. And I'm like, listen, you guys need to understand that if you go to a pro practice, a team USA practice, or you go to a freaking high school practice, the good teams are staying focused on the basics. We're trying mm -hmm. to do the same things. We're not yeah. doing this magic. Any, there's nothing magic drill, right? Mm -hmm. And so trying to beat that into their brains from a young age is really important to me because then they're going to take every single drill they do seriously. And then hopefully that develops a pattern for other things. Um, but yeah, so that, that drill, and if you've done it before, you know the, mm -hmm. the staying low with the diagonal rotations into the sprinting, it's really build like your hamstrings just blow up. It's almost like yeah. doing... Um, a sled drag into a sprint, sled drag into yeah. a sprint, a backward sled drag. So we'll do we'll do that. There's also um, a rebounding drill that we're going to do that's kind of physical. So there's a little bit of jumping there, but like wide base. So we're going to do um, some defensive-minded drills where their legs are going to be a little bit on the heavier side. Now keep in mind, we would have already done the CNS activation stuff. So they're already feeling right. a little springy. And then now, because we've got a hamstring-dominant court <laughs> workout, essentially, now, when we go into the uh, the weight training uh, portion, I'm going to focus a little bit more tomorrow on um, isometric holds. So we'll be dealing like inverted rows holds, uh, inverted row holds with uh, like a band attached around their waist, and they'll have to mm -hmm. hold it for like 10 seconds. Um, and then we'll pair that up with either face pulls or um, you know a split squat uh, variation or something like that. So it really just depends on the day. And like you said, I try to balance it out. Now, on a day where we're doing a lot of shooting and there's a lot of just like hopping you know, mm -hmm. then that's when we'll, we'll switch it and we'll focus more on the tempo work in the weight room. So we'll do like a six second lowering on a split squat or a box squat. And then I'm a big fan of the contrast method too. So we'll go from, you know, that one tempo exercise where it's slow 
and then they'll drop the weight and they'll move over and they'll give me a box jump or they'll give me okay. like just a standing leap or something like that. And we'll even do that with upper body movements like a medicine ball slam or, you know, something like that. So mm-hmm. there's, cause I have such control. There's a lot of, like I try to go in two week cycles. We'll do the same workout. So two weeks in a row with a little bit of a, <clears> a switch <throat> on the second week. And then, and then I'll try and switch it up that way that it stops the kids from getting bored um, it gives them long enough um, on that little two-week program to be like, oh, I did this last week. I'm going to beat it this time. Exactly. Um, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, you try to put a um, – I mean, like I said, I work with college kids too, but you try and put uh, like an 11-year-old kid on a 12-week program, it's not going to work just because yeah. they're going to get bored. Honestly, you know, I don't even do that. I don't do it with anybody. I, I basically just yeah. go week by week. And I just oh, yeah. have it where the each the every time I basically just copy and paste the last week, and then I'll make maybe small adjustments based on they do. And then we do new stuff that's third. Cause it's like, you know, they, they're still, even like with your, you're getting them, they're still then going to their team practice and stuff. Okay. You're you destroyed. Go. I'm going to have to edit it. Why would I waste time? Cause I used to do that. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna write three weeks in a row. And then I was like, I'm scratching this shit out every single time they come in. Every I'm time. Well, why, why write that part of it? Every mm-hmm. time. And see, the way I answered that question was because we're still in the summer right now. Right. But mm. right along with what you just said, Cleo, um, when they go to school, my world gets turned upside down, man, like yeah. completely. Because mm. now they're starting football practices, they're starting like whatever <laughs> sports, soccer, basketball, and I don't know what they're doing with those teams, and yeah. I don't know what they're doing in their school weight rooms. <clears throat> and the majority of the kids that come have been coming to me for quite a while now, and they come year round, so they come to me with stories of oh. Our, you know, our coach made us do cleans, but I just did this instead. Or, or they'll sometimes mm. they'll sneak they'll sneak a video of the kids doing like really bad, you know, squats <laughs> or whatever. Like, see, I don't do this, coach. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. Like, and so I'm really big on communication. So when I see them, the very first thing I ask them to do, like, hey, what did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? What are you doing tomorrow? And then um, I try to avoid obviously any repetition. So if if I've got a high school group and they did cleans and uh, you know, back squats, then we're not doing that tonight, obviously, right? right. We're going we're gonna to do something completely different. So that's where the art of coaching comes into play. It's not like, well, this is my program and this is what I planned out, so this is what we're going to do. No, that, I'd be an idiot because then, you know, then, uh, you know, this girl's going to hurt her knee or this guy's just, they're just going to get burned out too and then they'll just stop coming yeah. to me. So, we, yeah, guys like you and I, we're always auto-regulating. We're always, okay, we did this, all right, let's do that now. And then, oh, you're not feeling good today? Okay, let's do this. And we're always, you know, but that's that's what we do, right? It's that extra work that separates us from yep. the people that copy and paste stuff at the D1 level and uh, for each damn sport. Because it's, Which it's is, a lot harder yeah. to edit. <laughs> it is. But isn't that surprising to you that such, quote-unquote, high-level coaches, at least, you know, in terms of the title, are doing that thing? Like, they're copying and posting knees over toes guy, and, and that's all they're doing. Yeah, just whatever's, like, the newest little workout like, thing, and they just blindly yeah, throw it in there. 100%. <laughs> and that's so frustrating, you know? So that's – so um, I don't know um, if you – you're at the rack, right? Yes, sir. Down in Atlanta. Okay, so then you know Jermaine and you know um, mm-hmm. uh, Rob Jacobs. So I yeah. was at um, the muscle mentorship with those two guys um the one that just happened uh, in cali yeah man yeah yeah so i got to meet them there and it was so refreshing because that experience brought all of us like-minded guys together and a couple of girls too and we all think the same way and we're all doing pretty much the same thing some of us are in like the the school circuit but most of us are in the private circuit and we all have 
um, you know, the same mentality. And we like, it was just such a relief to be like, oh, you agree with me? Good, good, good. So yeah. it's just like, it's, it's really refreshing, right? To know that there's guys like you and Jermaine and, I mean, Rob's a freaking psycho genius, that guy. <laughs> yeah. But like, I'm not, I'm nothing like him because he's just, he's like an alien. He's so smart, it's ridiculous. But <laughs> like, but like Sean Hayes and and Tim Karen's such a great guy. So, but it was so yeah. refreshing to know that there are guys like you and I out there that we do have some of the same concerns. We are busting our asses. We don't have it perfect, but we're trying. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. We have that white belt mentality, but like we also know what works, and we're we're really pushing it, and we're making a big difference with these these younger athletes. But it's funny because you'll you'll look and it's like, oh, I'm trying to be like I don't know if you know who Brandon Bird, the one who owns Bird Sports Performance, or Jared Bitney who owns Explosive, and yep. Lou yep. and all these great guys that have done it. But it's like they all do it in a different way but see extremely high results so it's still always going to be how you apply your own little spin on it and then the population that you have but it's like it's like those you know those guys are like the best the best the best and you're like you're striving for that and then meanwhile you see all these guys at the highest level for college even pro and you're like you know what i'm pretty fucking good because these guys are idiots thank you like it's like i'm trying to be this this great but a lot of people don't know that the guys that are the most famous are often not the best. <laughs> Can I ask you a question, man? Yes, sir. All right. Who, in your opinion, because you're a hooper, right? Yeah. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? Ooh. I would say Michael Jordan. Okay. Got to be Michael. And, and my favorite player is LeBron. But I always yep. tell people he has to win five rings plus all his stats to actually be the best player of all time. So yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. I'm not like Shannon, who I love, where he's like, he's already the GOAT and, and yeah, Nick yeah. Wright. I'm like, bro, no, no, no. Come on, you got to be honest. He lost to Dallas. That was him. That was yeah. him. I mean, you know, but um, no, yeah. Just well, to- hey, even if you said LeBron was a good, I'd, I'd, I'd totally respect that, man. Like, because yeah. he's, he's, the, he's the man. But yeah. the reason why I asked that question is I went on a rabbit hole, down a rabbit hole the other day. I watched a whole bunch of footage of Michael Jordan training in the weight room, like what I could find. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen any of that footage? I've only seen him doing a lot of the military press and yep. like bicep curls. I never went yep. like further down because okay. I knew like Tim, Tim, I, I, yep. I've heard from other strength coaches that read his book and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, yeah, hey, it ain't that good. I don't know yeah. if that's everything they actually did though, but yeah. I don't, yeah. And see, that's the thing. Like there are some articles that are, that are written out there about what Michael Jordan so and so did. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if he did that or not. Um, but what you were just saying about how, like, the quote-unquote best guys in the world, yeah. and it's like, they're not even doing... So, if you go back and look at Jordan training in the weight room, there's, like, I mean, obviously, guys like you and I, we understand the importance of eccentric loading, of tempo work, of, you know, of being strong at multiple positions. And all I can find of Jordan is... Now, it's, it's one thing to write a book and be like, this is how what we did, but the footage was there, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of bodybuilding stuff. It's yeah, it's that's basically all it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's bicep curls, like you said. It's it's um, bench press where there's no leg drive, and I'm just like, so when I watch footage of the greatest of all time training that way, yet he still had those amazing results, and he was such an amazing player. I'm like, okay, what we are doing, all right, like guys like you and me, what we are doing is going to be so much better, right? Like, so imagine mm-hmm. if Jordan had Khalil for a coach. Think about yeah. how much better he would have been because we know he had like a lot of knee problems, right? Well, yes. we don't know this for sure, but like 
maybe it's safe to assume that he wasn't doing six second century box squats and he wasn't doing, you know, like a lot of the, the hamstring work. It was probably yeah. just on a machine doing leg curls. Right. Yeah. Um, I bet, I bet if they, cause their upper body based on what it looked like, it's yeah. like, well, that's probably what they were doing lower body wise. And not yep. only you could say, not only is it the exercise, but it's like, y'all going in there and then you're doing sets of 10 to 12 only yep. nothing for strength. And it's like, yeah, I understood he needed to get bigger to handle some of the blows, but he mm -hmm. definitely wasn't as strong as he could. And I look at the same thing with LeBron. You see him balancing on BOSU balls with his trainer and yep. shit. And it's yep. like, imagine how, if, if he's barely dropped off since he was younger, imagine if he, I mean, you've seen videos of his squat. It's fucking embarrassing. Yep. It's like, imagine yeah. if he actually focused on strength, just the right, like we can belt squat. You don't have to put, if you're afraid of yep. the bar on your back and stuff like that during season, fine. But it's like, how much, hand, like, I, like they got all the money in the world. I bet you there's not a reverse type or inverse curl in, in sight or a belt yep. squat. Like just off of the straight, how he should do rep set wise. And then certain uh, where the muscles should be focused on. It's like, bro, he probably could be a lot better. It's like you see him all the time on that Versa climber all the time. It's like, man, yep. I haven't seen him pull one damn sleigh. You know, it's like. No, 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 <laughs> thank you, right? And see, like, I was listening to your podcast um, a few weeks ago where you had Jacob Ross on. And yes, I yes. loved the question that you asked Jacob. You said, all right, like, how did that relationship go with him and Lil Deng? And yeah. he's like, you know what? I trained him. I got the hell out of there. Like, I didn't hang around. I wasn't his buddy at the beginning. Yeah. Like, I yeah. had to have him understand that my most important thing is my job and that my job is making you the greatest athlete that you can possibly become. So yeah. I almost wonder too, like with some of these other guys that we were just talking about, like, and we're not going to assume anything, but like, what if maybe those guys just really want to keep their job and they just want to be, Oh, they're yes. They yes man. Yeah. They I want mean, the think about LeBron to do what skill. they like to do. Why is his yeah. form on his jump shot never improved? Obviously whoever's and, around him is too scared or he won't allow them to tell him, hey, like, no, you, like, it's like Kawhi changed his jump shot with the Spurs, and maybe yep. that's because he wasn't Kawhi Leonard when he got his jump shot changed. Maybe he was, Probably. he was hungry and he was making five million, and he was like, mm, I'll listen to them. Maybe I can make forty, and now he does. And it's like yeah. LeBron, it's like, bro, why is your free throw percentage not in the eighties by now? And that's little think, stuff where it's like, you have yes men around you, they're never going to tell you you're not already, you know, the greatest thing ever. You know, that's the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so no, I agree with you. So I just, I wish that. First of all, we could be a fly on the wall and watch those guys train in their prime. Mm -hmm. But it also goes to show, like, how resilient and adaptive the human body is. Like, look yeah. at Jordan's results he was able to get doing essentially what we could assume is just a straight bodybuilding yeah. workout. <laughs> I mean, like, the day that he shot six threes um, uh, against Portland, there was there was a interview with um, Ahmad Rashad, and he's like, yeah, I worked out this morning, and they were doing heavy deadlifts that morning, you know? So it's mm -hmm. like, it, it's just really interesting going back in time and then looking at the different methodologies and then the different mindsets too, because um, Louis Simmons, when did he really start to kind of attract people from the outside? I think it was like the late 90s. Late 90s. So it was probably Because he started like, getting the tapes out and stuff. Yep. Yeah, and that's why like but, those guys didn't even know who he was. There was no YouTube and stuff like that. No YouTube, and then I remember in West Side versus the World, like these these world-renowned strength coaches um, with universities and sports teams and stuff, they were literally having to like stop in the area and ask, "Hey, do you know where West Side Barbell is?" And they're going, "No, don't <laughs> go there. It's not a good place, right?" Yeah. So maybe it was just too late. Um, uh, Louis came along a little bit too late for Jordan, but I'm sure Tim Grover, if he was aware of 
Louis method at back then. I mean, cause Columbus isn't that far away. I'm sure he would have taken, yeah. you know, gone there and learned some things, but, but yeah, no, it's just, it's just amazing when, you know, like you said, when you've got these D1 coaches and essentially, like you said, a lot of them are yes, man, they're high-fiving the prospects that are going to make the yeah. NBA and, you know, they're trying to piggyback on things, but, but guys that uh, have the balls to stand up to an athlete and be like, listen, and I'll, I'll tell you this story. So when I was there with Kuz, um, he was doing a bench press, right? And I was just mm-hmm. interning, so I have no weight at all. Um, mm-hmm. So he's bench pressing. Um, his elbows are flared out like crazy. His yeah, yeah. Cocked. Um, <laughs> he had very little leg drive. He does his bench press, and then he gets a high five, right? And then I, I kind of just like said to him, like, but by this stage, they liked me because I'd wear a different pair of Jordans every day. So you're like, oh, there's that yeah. guy with the Jordans. <laughs> so, but then I said, I'm like, hey, Kuz. I'm like, he's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, you think you're going to the NBA, right? And he looked at me like almost in soul. He's like, oh, no doubt. I'm like, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you know, part of my language. But I said, part of my language. But I said, but you're going to fuck up your rotator cuff. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what? What? I'm like, dude, the way you're benching right now, like, you're, you're, you're going to get injured. Like, it's just a matter of time. Like, what am I doing? So then I had guys like Sed and a couple of the, the, the lower end guys and then Cruz wanting to work with me privately after their team practices. And it was like, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we were going over band pull aparts and how to do correct form on certain things. And then it created a little bit of an uncomfortable atmosphere at the gym because I wasn't like trying to seek them out for personal gain. I was just being honest with him. But I found that those guys react to honesty, especially in the college level. They react to honesty um, really, really well because they're like, well, oh, you're one of the few that they're like, oh, he actually isn't just kissing my ass. Some, some of them, and some of them are going to get mad, yep. but the ones that don't, it's like, whoa, yep. shit, the rest of his career will be better just from that little piece of advice that I gave him. Well, and then to be honest, man, like, I didn't think Kuzma was going to go to the NBA when he was playing at the University of Utah because... I didn't even know who he was when he was at, you know. Yeah, well, the thing is, he, he was being played as a big man, right? Yeah. And, and he's not a big man. He's a three. And, um, you know, in, in today's NBA, he's a stretch four if you want to play him at that. But, like, he's a two or a three. He's, he's a great yeah. shooter. He's a great athlete. And um, there were some other guys that were, like, getting more media attention than him. So, like, I, I wasn't scared of him just because there's just another guy, you know, yeah. and I'm not trying to make myself sound like a hard-ass, but... Like, but, but that one conversation, like, really changed things. And then from there, we were able to keep a little bit of a relationship when we went into the, the, uh, the summer, um, what's it called again? The, um, summer league? Is, yeah. What the, not the summer league it was before that. It's where they do the, the combine. Yeah. The combine. Um, and he had an amazing combine and that changed everything to him. Him, he performed so well in those combine games and in his, uh, his uh, his sprints and his vertical and stuff that he started mm-hmm. turning heads and then he worked out with magic um uh with the lakers and then because they're both from michigan like so mm-hmm. that's where and then because he had that relationship with magic he was able to get on with the summer league and then from there like i mean dude i was so proud of him when he played you know um his first couple of years with the lakers he he did such a good job but uh but yeah, now, now we don't talk because he's uh he's a big time guy so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he got his ring exactly right. So, but yeah. So, um, also the rest of the week, let's say, if we're still talking summer, those Monday, Wednesday, Friday kids, like so, you went over the first day that was a combo day. What's yep. Wednesday, Friday look like? Okay, so then we do an upper and a lower split. So upper body day for those guys. Um, what we typically are doing now. So think about it this way, right? I've got five and six year olds first, and then we finish with high school kids. So I'll take mm-hmm. you through roughly what the the little kids go through. So for upper body, 
We're doing um, a lot of isometric holds on the chin-up bar. Yes. We're yes. doing inverted rows, uh, medicine ball slams. That Monday, Wednesday, Friday group is really special too. So they're very coachable. Um, and I have them doing um, what I, I call it buddy bench press just because it's a funny name. But what I have them doing is I'll have a kid essentially lying on the ground doing a floor press, but they don't hold dumbbells in their hands. They've got a friend or their, their, their partner, right? They're on their knees mm-hmm. behind them on the floor. And they've got an open hand and they've got their hands on the, the other person's hands and they're resisting them coming down into that floor press position and then they're resisting them coming up. So it's almost like a four-second eccentric, four-second concentric, but mm-hmm. the resistance is their partner. Mm-hmm. And so that way there's not like that external load. I don't, I'm not going to have to worry about them dropping a dumbbell on their face <laughs> and they're understanding how to control. It's not just pushing as hard as you can. It's like there's control coming down, there's control coming up and from that, I've actually able to program dumbbells with five-pound dumbbells, program uh, dumbbell floor presses in. So mm-hmm. they're even doing a horizontal press. It's amazing. Um, and then we'll do like half-kneeling dumbbell presses. We'll do uh, sled pulls with a rope, uh, things like that. And then time goes by really fast, right? And then we'll do tricep dips and things like that. Now, with the older kids, especially the high school kids, I've had them now for five years. So this is a group of kids that understand the lifts. They, they understand cueing. So I can really, really trust them. So I am doing things like uh, bench press with chains with those kids. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll be doing, uh, you know, split stance <clears throat> rows and a lot of tempo work. But so, so that would be like an upper body day. You know, you have your major lift and then we have a couple of accessories in there. And are you doing all- dynamic days for both? Like, are, you, are they doing uh higher reps and higher sets are they are they doing maxes or uh no i don't i don't so with the high school kids i um in the summer they see me more so there is an opportunity for them to max but Mm -hmm. i don't allow them to do one rms it's usually a three rm um and then the main reason for that is i don't want them getting hurt right Mm -hmm. um and unfortunately they're maxing out enough during the year with their their school coaches yeah, and I'm just like, okay. And they know my my opinion on them maxing out, especially on a bench press or a squat. I'd actually prefer them um, get them on a trap bar and have them max out on a deadlift more often than they would on anything else. But what we do is we do a lot of record keeping. So I know if Skylar um, <clears throat> did a 3RM with 185 on a box squat two months ago, I've got that record. And I know like, hey, this is where we were. Exactly. Maybe we need to try and push it up a little bit. So that's and that's. Oh, that's so that, that's more what I'm asked because I I oh, I'm sorry. I went a, I, a while ago. I went away from usually ones like, um, and I talked to a lot of coaches. A lot of times you'll get a one from a two or a three. So it's yep. like it's on a mistake, but I don't really program one. But yeah, that's what I meant more. Like, are you guys doing a three or a five rep? Oh yeah. Max on that upper body day, or is it like every four to five weeks you do that? But on that Wednesday day, it's typically like sets of four or five. Like, how, yeah, that's that's more what I'm asking. I gotcha. Yeah. So like I said, we will do programming. So um, for every two weeks is when I'll change it. So let's see with the high school group this last week, we did six sets of three, um, but it wasn't um, dynamic speed work necessarily. It was, it was like slow eccentric work. Um, So, so yeah. So with the record keeping of what weights they're doing and then with um, what they're doing in terms of their major lift, I just, I just make sure that I'm keeping track of who's doing what, and then we'll switch it up. And then um, yeah, I would say a two rep max is what I allow them to do at the very, very most, um, mm-hmm. unless it's a deadlift. On a deadlift, <clears throat> I, if they're on a trap bar, 
um, and they're feeling good and all of their preliminary sets have been good, then I totally let them max out. It's like, again, as long as their form's good. And if, if their form's not doing good, I'm just honest with them and be like, hey, man, like, not today. Like, you're not looking good. You're not doing this. Let's do this instead. Let's go do rack pulls or let's go, you know, uh, do some sumo kettlebell um, deadlifts or something like that. How much are you doing sumo deadlift for maxes versus trap bar? And I guess also versus conventional, yeah. if you ever do that. Yeah, so I I do sumo deadlifts with kettlebells, especially with the, okay. the little kids, right? Like, because okay. that's a that's a that's a hard thing. It's like because there's a lot of people like you have little kids doing strength training. I'm like, yeah, but I'm never loading their spine. So yeah. with with the younger kids, like the six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds, when they're doing a sumo position, it's always with a kettlebell in between their feet. And we have those Onyx kettlebells that go up to 91 pounds. So mm. they'll they'll be picking up those kettlebell deadlifts. They'll be loading them properly with a slow eccentric. Um, and it's really, really cool to watch them do that. Now, if I want a seven or an eight-year-old to do a conventional deadlift, I don't let them touch the barbell. And even at that age, I don't even let them use the, the, uh, the trap bar. What mm. we do instead is we get a kettlebell on either side of them and I'll have them pick it up like they're about to do a farmer's walk. And then I'll okay. have them walk with it and put it down. So they're doing yes, that sir. conventional yes. bar pass, so to speak, but there's not a barbell in their hands yet. Does that make sense? Right. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I'm able to sneak in these movement patterns using no barbell at all up until they get into the high school age. And then it's almost like there's that learning curve all over again when we have to put the barbell in their hands. Um, and I always tell them they've got to earn the bar, right? So especially mm-hmm. with a squat. So they'll be doing goblet squats to a box for a long time and then we'll introduce the barbell. And then if, if they do well with that, then we can start adding load to that. But if they're not doing well with um, the goblet position, then there's obviously no way in hell I'm putting a barbell on the back of the high school kids. Mm. But, but yeah, so I don't know. Did that answer your question? I'm sorry. I feel like I went all over the place there. No, that was good. Now, what about Friday? Okay. And then Friday is their leg day. Um, and so again, kind of to go along the lines with uh, the same procedure with the upper body day. So we'll do our, our lower body warm up. The lower body warm-up is a little bit more of a stretch focus on leg day as opposed to just moving around because I want them to conserve a little bit more energy. Um, After they get done with their court work, I'm a huge fan of the sleds. So we do a lot of sled work, a lot of Bulgarian lunge variations and split squat variations. Um, It's usually at least one unilateral uh, lower body exercise um, every single workout that they do on their full body or their lower body. Um, and then, um, for their, their bilateral movement, it's either going to be a box squat with a a kettlebell under their chin, or it's going to be, um, like a farmer's walk variation with two kettlebells. And then I have them put it down incrementally throughout the turf. So I'll, I'll put cones out and I'll be like, all right, you know, you'll pick up the kettlebells, put them down safely here, pick them back up again. So that way they're getting the farmer's walk variation in there, but they're also sneaking in three to five deadlifts along the way. Uh huh, and it's teaching them to go with control, and they're loading it correctly. They're not like slamming it to the floor. Um, so that would be the lower body variation stuff there. And then I, I do a lot of, like I said, with the buddy bench press thing, where they have their hands on their feet. We'll do similar things for leg curl variations. Do you so have we'll that on have, your page? Because I'm trying to imagine it, and I, maybe I'm just tired. So I'm just yeah, yeah. No, I get out. So think about it this way, right? So for that buddy bench press thing, so think about it this way. You've got. You're setting up for a dumbbell, two dumbbells on your on your legs, and you're going to lie back for a floor press, right? Right. And then, and for me spotting you, I'll be on my knees right behind you, and I'll have my hands on your wrist, and I'm kind of like just going up and down with you while you do your floor press. So now let's replace those dumbbells. You've opened up your hands. Now I've got a hand on your hand, and mm-hmm. I'm pushing you down. And I'm your resistance, and I'm resisting you pushing up. So that's what that okay. would be. 
And then oh, okay. for the for the leg curl vari- variations, we'll do Nordic curls um, with the partner holding onto the legs, or we'll do mm. two-way leg curls where the the kid is lying face down and then they're having to resist, um, sorry, their partner is resisting them doing the content part of the leg curl and then they're resisting them coming down. So we're getting that. Like they're holding them by the ankles or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yep. Okay, yeah. yep. So we'll do things like that too, usually at the end of the workout because uh, their bodies aren't used to doing things like that. Um, so usually after something like that, their legs are pretty much toast. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, time goes by like so fast. So between the warm-up, the court work, and then the strength training. How like, long do I you probably, have them? I only have them for an hour, but the high school kids oh, have an shit. hour and a half. Yeah, Wait, so hour in the weight room or hour? No, you know, hour, hour total. total. What yeah, the hour total. hell? God, it goes by fast, yeah. huh? I know. Oh, God. So, yeah, so yeah, you've yeah, yeah. okay, got to be organized. Okay. That, that and, makes um, everything make even more sense. Okay. Yeah. So we'll yeah. do like <laughs> six or seven minutes on the warm-up. We'll hit the court hard for about 35 minutes, maybe 40 and it's a okay. lot of reps, a lot of reps, a lot of reps. And I've got six hoops in here. Um, and then I also have um, some youth coaches that I've hired to kind of help yes. be like an extension and with that crowd control. And, that oh. yeah. and dude, without those people, without those kids, like I'm obviously there's like one or two that I trust more than the others, like in terms of queuing and things like oh, that. Yeah. They've been oh, with yeah. me for so long. Same, same but, here. <laughs> yeah. But, but without those kids, like, um, you know, there are times where it's just me and then there's a group of 30 kids and I can do it, but man, is that, that stress level goes to a new level, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, having those youth coaches really, really helped me. Like I'll have a youth coach in charge of one station and then they're watching them do that one exercise. And I'll have another youth coach over here. And then I'm kind of zooming in, zooming out, hovering around and making sure everything's going smooth. If, if something's needs to be addressed, I'll stop the whole session. We'll talk about it. Um, I'm really big on having the kids try have opportunities to teach too so like i'll ask a question that you know everyone should know the answer to but then i'll give a kid that might be a little bit shy the opportunity to stand up and explain or demonstrate so so even though yeah even though we know we're doing basketball training and strength training like there's leadership training you know layered in there as well there's you know they're building character they're building confidence there's you know there's structure to it so it's it's this is going to be the corny part of the the interview but it's really really fulfilling when i leave the gym every night and i flick those lights off i I look back into the gym one more time and i take a deep breath and i'm I'm like there's very very few times where i've left the gym going damn it i should have done this Mm -hmm. because like you know i mean it's so fulfilling and things just flow so well um it's just like really really rewarding so when i get home and now i've got to be super husband and super dad um I can leave work at work. I mean, unless I'm doing stupid Instagram stuff, but yeah. um, but I'm not I'm not losing sleep over. Man, I really wish I, you know, let Brisha do this instead of that. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's really fulfilling. What um what do you guys do for uh oblique and ab work? Okay, so for oblique and ab work, so I do so for we don't really do like a whole lot of like crunches or anything. So yeah. um more of like a core focus so like i said the farmers carries um we will do um uh max tension planks so we'll do like a plank to a pike where they pull themselves in um there is an exercise i like to do that i got from a track and field coach called a walking plate twist or a walking med ball twist so essentially you have a medicine ball in your hand that's like you know 10 pounds and you take a step and you twist as you go kind of like a standing russian uh twist variation but you're walking so it's more dynamic is it um, walk or is it lunge and then twist? It's yeah, and that I've seen both. I prefer okay. the the walk. Yeah, so they're essentially 
taking a step and then twisting and holding that position and then taking okay. a step, twisting, hold that position. I'm not a fan of the lunge. Like, I feel like the lunge variation of that is a little bit more, you know, your mom's aerobics class trying to. Yeah, you're trying to combine the two. Then they're yeah. both shitty. Okay. Yeah, so, Let me you, try so that you're doing one. I may try that. Yeah, piece. I'll send that to you as well. Um, so uh, let's see. And then in terms of other like ab training, I would say um, pull off presses. You know, banded, band resisted stuff. But mm. like, I very rarely will I have the kids in there doing like, all right, do 50 sit ups. And I just feel again, I feel like that's lazy. Uh, most yeah. of the kids want to do it correctly. A long time ago, I stopped doing. Uh, uh, planks to time uh, on my leaderboard i i would have all these different exercises and uh max time plank was one of them and then i just got to the point where i'm like some of these kids were holding them for nine minutes and i'm yeah, like you put some weight on that shit <laughs> well I, right and i'm like there's no way you're doing that correctly for nine minutes it's just essentially a balancing exercise for them at that point so yeah. i'm like all right you're training your core so then we need to like turn on everything. So it's, that's why I like that plank to pike variation or I'll have them hold a plank and have a partner hold a resistance band looped over their torso and kind of like pull a little bit here and there to kind of make them stabilize against that resistance. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I've gone away from anything over like a minute in terms of planks now just because I'm like, uh, it just takes too much time because these kids are, you know, they can hold it for so long. Plus, you know, at practice, all they're doing because they don't either they think the extra load is bad for them or they don't have the equipment. They do extremely yep. long time of ads. So I always say, you know, it's the time you need to do 30 seconds to a minute and prove how much weight you can do and the quality of it. That's really it. Yeah, There's man. no point in doing anything more than that. Because most of the time it's, it's not their ab endurance. It's their ab nope. oblique strength. That's what's matters. Exactly. Some of these kids yep. can't do a suitcase hole with like, 40 pounds for more than 10 seconds. I'm like, Jesus Christ. No Actually, wonder your back hurts. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And that's the other thing. So like with COVID, I feel like it really screwed things up in terms oh, yeah. of giving kids an opportunity to just be lazy. Um, but, but yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent. Like posture is going down the shithole. Like, so one, one of the things that's a mandatory that we do every single warm up is we do our YTWs on the ground, those isometric holds. And uh, we do a lot of band pull-aparts. And I always tell them, yeah. I'm like, you know, how tall do you want to be? And like, the kid will be a little 6'5". I'm like, all right, let's say you magically you become 6'5". If you walk around with a hunched back and your neck's down and it's the fourth quarter of an NBA game, right, are you going to be able to, to hold that defensive position? Are you going to be able to jump up and extend all the way up if you're hunched over like this? So yeah. I always try to give them, like, real-world examples, and it kind of scares them into, oh, okay, i got to stand up straight. <laughs> but kids today, they're glued to screens, and if it's not – the tablet at home or video games at home, it's at school they're on tablets now. And school they're on screens. Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> and none of them are sitting correctly. So, so yeah, I, I should have said that earlier. Um, isometric holds are huge with our warm-ups for upper body. So we do tons of YWTs and, and Ys to handcuffs and, and uh, things like that just because we, we are literally trying to make sure that they can stand up straight as opposed to just getting that texture's neck thing and that rounded back. You know what I mean? Have you seen that much with the kids that you work with? Um, ours are kind of mixed because some of them, yep. uh, it's weird. I have like a lot of older kids that are like on dual enrollment and stuff. So they're not at school as much. And okay. a lot of them still don't use the iPad. It's my young kids that I'm getting where yes. it's bad because if let's say I get them in middle school, they've yep. already been using the tablets and phones since they were like five years old now. So, so it, know, the huh? youngest ones are the ones that are the worst. 
Yeah, um, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, the high I've never seen so many kids that can't touch their toes and weigh 100 pounds. I'm like, I, I, can, touch touch my, toes. I can touch beyond my yep. toes, and I'm a big yep. like, what, the, what the hell is this? It's <laughs> crazy. You know? Yeah. No, Especially if they don't do any martial arts or anything like that, they're getting no flexibility, posture. Because, you know, you in martial arts, you always had to be in a perfect position, and we worked yep. on flexibility. If they've just been playing, like, one sport, they're, like, just immobile as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you see, like, how it could be really difficult training kids that young? Because you see all the things that are wrong with them, and you're like, yeah. man, you need a yoga class, you need a flexibility class, you need martial arts, and here we are trying to take them through warm-up, basketball, strength training. So yeah. we're trying to, like, do 10 different things in an hour, three days a week yeah. with them. And and I'm getting a lot of really good results, but, of course, there's always there's one or two kids that you can tell as soon as they're done here, they go home and – you know, they're back to, you know, we can't fix the other 23 hours in the day. Right. So, yeah. but doing the best we can. And then I'm really big about communicating with the parents too. So it's very time consuming and probably not the, the, the most time efficient way of doing it, but I will, I will take time to make phone calls and text every single parent and let them know what's going on with their kid too, if I have to. So, um, and I think that's why my business is becoming so successful is because, it's transparent that I actually care about these kids. Um, I'm not just in here, like trying to like collect a paycheck and like get them through it. And Oh, time's up. We got to go. Like a lot of times my classes will start late and we end up going longer because I don't look at my phone or I don't look at my watch at all. Yeah. (laughs) Do you guys ever get to go over? Cause like I'm um, private and I don't know, maybe because you guys got to probably share the court with other people, but in the weight room, some of my, especially my older kids that have longer, they're heavier set, they, they mm-hmm. live more. Some of them be here for two, two and a half hours. Yep. So I'm like, that's crazy trying to, how can I use the best time to do a basketball session and a lifting session? I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> it, it is crazy. Or it is. And, and if it was up to me, to be honest, like if I, you know, and this is where the business stuff comes in, but I, I would love to have the kids do two hour training sessions. I would love mm-hmm. it to be an hour on the core, hour in the weight room, but I just think there's not enough time in the day, especially when the school schedule starts back up. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But the last class of the day, I always tell them they're the lucky ones because, yeah, sometimes that, and it's always the oldest group, but my college group and my high school group, usually their training sessions will go sometimes two to two and a half hours. And it's just because I'm not worrying about kids coming in next. And it's just a matter of like getting the work done, but also where, you know, we're not rushing, we're taking our time and there's a lot more teaching going on. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wish I could go an hour and a half to two hours with every single group. But like I said, we just, I structured the basketball training like a workout in the weight room, meaning we got to get this. You're going to do it this many times. You're going to do this many times. And then when we get to the weight room, it's, it's a little bit more station based for the younger kids. Whereas the older kids follow a little bit more of a, you know, one, a one B one C two, a two B. But with the little kids, it's more like, okay, you're going to be doing this exercise and this exercise. You're going to be doing it. You rest a little bit after you've done the B exercise, but you're going back and forth until I tell you yeah. to get a drink and we're going to rotate. So they're well, yeah, essentially the base kind of style is what Louis talks about too, because yeah. also you got a tension span problem too. So it's hundred like, percent. If yep. they can't even do heavy weights for a million reasons, even the regular basic stuff, you got to kind of make it where they don't have an opportunity to start spacing out and think about the newest Minions movie that's coming out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and th- again, and this is going to sound kind of corny too, but like the Monday, Wednesday, Friday group is, they are like talented, talented kids and they're very advanced. Um, and so, you know, we put on a song on the, in the, you know, on the stereo and, and it's very mm-hmm. high energy. 
and by their competitive nature, they want to do better. So there's very little of the, hey, focus, hey, focus. Now, <laughs> I have a Tuesday, Thursday group that I call them my beginners classes. And the beginners part only refers to the basketball court. Um, mm. These are the kids that usually like, you know, mom and dad have made a phone call to me and say like, oh, you know, we can't get so-and-so to really move a whole lot. We'd love to have them come to your class. These kids do really, really well on the strength training, but on the court, this is where it like gets super basic. But yeah, with those kids, the Tuesday, Thursday group, they're the ones I'm seeing, the ones with the um, attention span issues and <laughs> just, you know, like you're trying to explain something and then they're over there licking their elbow or, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, so those are the kids that I have a hard time with. But again, if, if I've got something planned and it's things aren't going the way they're supposed to, I've got plan B and C in my mind all ready to go. And I let them know, like, hey, you need to be focusing. I let them know I'm disappointed in them. And they care about that, you know, right. they care that I, cause they, you know, they want to come and see coach Ben and, you know, they want to do a good job and they want to get strong. And, but, oh, coach Ben got a little bit upset at me today because I was, you know, I was, you know, staring at the wall or I wasn't concentrating. <laughs> and then the next session, they usually do a really good job. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, hundred percent, man, that, um, the attention thing is real. It's, uh, but you know, we, we're doing what we can. What do you do for um, connective tissue or, you know, band and hamstring growth, push down the band tears? And where is the level of importance from the younger kids to the older, older kids? Yeah. And then <clears throat> just recently, there was a, a pretty high name um, female athlete that just tore her ACL, right, in college basketball. Oh, yes. And she's she, one of my kids because I'm not I don't watch a lot of college stuff. Yep. But he was saying that this is like her second or third knee injury. She still hasn't played oh. yet, but she's still like. I guess she did so well in high school. She goes to UConn. She's going into her junior year, hasn't played like more than like a game or two, and she's still like oh supposed to be like a top draft prospect. But just she tore her ACL, I think, just in practice or something. I'm like, yeah. What the and, hell and see, does that and, training look like? <laughs> and I've well, I've been very aware of that for a long time. Like just because I like to read a lot of articles, but I think the latest statistic I saw was 16% of all female basketball players will tear their ACLs. Is what I saw. What and, is it for um, men? So, you know what it is? I don't know. I don't know. And that was the other question I got. And I'm like, I can't find that statistic anywhere. I mean, I'm sure well, it's, it's probably, there, but it's probably a lot less. Lot, I lot, guess, lot. If they're blasting that. Yep. <laughs> yep. hundred percent. So, um, and then it's funny. So I have, um, she's on the, uh, BYU stunt and cheer team. She came to me, uh, about a year and a half ago and she was coming off back to back ACL tears. She tore it, Ugh. you know, did a quick rehab job, tore it again. And then yeah. that's when they came to me. And so we just, I feel like physical therapy, man, is like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're just getting they them through their sessions. Yeah, right. They, they, and some of them are kind of like glorified yes men like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just kind of taking them through their, their their sessions that the insurance will cover and then saying, all right, well, you know, keep <laughs> getting stronger. And it's just like, well, yeah, but what are you going to tell them to do? So if a kid ever gets hurt like playing, I'll always – go to one or two of their physical therapy sessions with them. So that way I can see what's being told to them. And then um, I can also kind of adopt that training into their training when they come with me, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, goes, how does that uh, go? You must have a good relationship with these physical therapists. No, nah, man, I just show up. <laughs> I, I, I do. I just show up. But again, here, here's the, here's the thing, right? Well, I think when you've got an accent, <laughs> <laughs> I think when you're from Australia, I think you can get away with a lot. So if I come uh, in with a kid, I'll be like, oh, hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Xavier's strength and conditioning coach and I work with him on basketball. I'm just wanting to come so that way I can help and whatever, you know, and I'm giving them 
like I'm telling them why I'm there. I'm not there to, to, you know, micromanage what the physical therapist is doing by any means, but I'm there to like ask questions, um, to see what the progression regression is on that particular exercise in their rehab. So that way I can make sure they're doing it with me during the week. And then there's actual progression going and then the healing process can take, take, take place, you know? Mm. So, so we'll do actually a lot of prehab rehab type training um, and usually that'll take place in our warm up, but also that'll be the B exercise for a lot of our, our lifts right. too. So, okay. so, um, you know, um, we'll do, let's see, band resisted, uh, you know, single leg RDLs, uh, you know, so we'll attach a band to a, a rack, a squat rack, and then, you know, attach it to the, just above their knee and mm-hmm. have them hold, you know, a single leg RDL position or have them do reps with that that you know that external rotation on the band so the band's trying to pull their knee um internally but they're trying to counter that so we're trying to build up that stability um so we'll do a lot of that stuff um in conjunction with like their squat or their deadlift or you know whatever their major lift is for that day just so that way we have that proactive approach on making sure that we don't get hurt and i'm gonna knock on wood when i say this but i am so proud of this i have never had a female athlete or a male athlete when I've been training them for longer than six months, um, get hurt um, and have a significant injury, you know, and even though basketball is a, it's a non-contact sport by definition, there's still contact, right? Like you're still copping elbows. You're still, you know, it's very, you got the falling from getting hit in the air or just, you know, that that happens all the time. Yeah. So, and we'll do a lot of deceleration training there too. So that way the kids, if they do fall, they know how to fall too. So if they, if they feel like, they're out of control. They know how to kind of slow themselves down. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm so proud of, uh, first of all, the kids for listening to me on that stuff because that stuff's boring, right? Mm. The rehab exercises are so yeah. boring. It's like, this isn't exciting, you know, like, um, but they trust me. Um, I, t- I try to explain to them why we're doing it. And then, um, you know, the result is like, you know, they've been healthy and they've been able to, to play throughout their high school career and into their college career and not have anything significant. Now, hopefully that, you know, hopefully I didn't jinx myself and tomorrow I wouldn't have an injury, but, but no, I think it's, um, it says a lot about the maturity of some of the athletes too, that when they come in they're they're really trusting you and they listen and, and they're going to do that. Now for your, uh, your older kids, <clears throat> the intensity of the training, like how, how did, oh no, 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 that's not what I was going to, I was going to ask, what does the jumping look like for older versus younger kids? Like how much maximal jumping do you do? Yeah. And what do you have? Do you guys have vert mats or just box jumps? You know, where's broad so, jumps in there? All that. I, okay. The more active they are in their sport. So let's say a kid's made their team. They're practicing five days a week. They have their two or three, you know, BS weight training sessions at their school. And then they're coming to me three days a week. Yeah. We don't do very much at all in terms of their jump okay. training. Um, and, and, and that's also important to recognize too, right? Cause a lot of people don't know the difference between jump training and plyometrics. So plyometrics is like the rapid high rep stuff. Um, mm. you know, if you look at a volleyball jump program, they're doing, you know, 25 reps at a time or something. Um, I'm more on the technical aspect of jump training and focusing with the deceleration stuff too. So I'm a huge fan of, um, depth jumps where they stand on a, like a, 12 to a 20 inch box depending on the individual they'll step they'll land and then i'll put them in front of a hoop you know if they're in the if they're a high school kid and i'll be like all right grab the rim you know step land Mm -hmm. jump and then land properly um we'll do lots of um unconventional sprint starts 
too. So like they'll start on their stomach, they'll start half kneeling and we'll have them sprint, but then they've got to decel and be stopped by a certain point, but not just slam on the brakes hundred percent. They've got to be deceling by, you know, this point, And by the time they get to this cone, they've got to be completely stopped and safe. Um, but if they're a kid that are trying to make a team and let's say they're not getting all that excessive training throughout the week, then that, that particular individual I'll program more higher rep jumping, um, Mm -hmm. uh, just so that way they're getting that conditioning in. And then they're also, you know, getting those reps in because the other kids, and I think Jacob said this on his podcast with you too, like Luol Deng, like he doesn't need to be doing, you know, jump training with Jacob after a game because he's just played 40 minutes. He's been cutting, you know, four different directions. Uh, You know, he's exhausted. So, so with these kids, um, they, they understand that. Like if they're at practice, practice hard, you know, when you're jumping up for the rebound, don't half-ass it, go up for that rebound and get it. You know what I mean? So they're getting, they're getting jump training and plyometrics through their sport. What do I need to be doing more of that for them for you know mm. so we'll yeah the focus is more on one to three reps and then uh with landing correctly mm-hmm. how many days a that, week do they do you have them jump so in, probably in and out of season uh so in season uh, two days a week mm-hmm. and then and then even then there's a lot of hey brisha like oh hey london how you feeling my knee hurts yeah. okay guess what london's not jumping today you know <laughs> and then and if it's someone like london who's a real person that i train uh, she's going to be very upset because now she's not doing everything that the other person is doing. And then her competitive, I'm like, no, 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 you're going to do this instead, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but if they're feeling good two days a week now off season, a lot of the kids around here, they'll be doing track stuff um, uh, during the summers. Uh, I know. Right. So I've got to work with that too. So they're dehydrated. They're, they're, they're quad dominant now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but if they're not doing track stuff, then we'll we'll program um, all three days. We'll have them doing some kind of a jump um, or jumping exercise in in their workout, and that they enjoy it. Um, but they know I'm not going to program, you know, all right, 25 tuck jumps, and you know, we're just we're not going to be doing that kind of stuff. Hmm. How much and that's uh, hard resisted to jumping do you do versus non? Oh, and sorry to answer. So when I test verticals, I use that um, the the thing where you jump up and you hit the the Vertec. Yeah, the Vertec. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I used that. I have to buy another one there because it's freaking broke on me. So I'm, I'm toying. If you have any recommendations on uh, an electronic one, that might save me some time. But oh, we used the like, Just Jump Mat. And then you used the Jump Mat? Our, okay. Yeah, we, we had the Just – well, we, we had the Vertec too. But we had the Just Jump Mat. We had our second one. Well, we, we had one, I guess, before I even started there that was just sitting there already broke. And now oh, we okay. our newer one uh, – uh, I, it's been there for two years. It just broke, but we ordered from the company called Plyomat. Plyomat. Okay. This company, I can give you the, uh, guy that actually owns it, his phone number. That's how we got in touch with him so quick. It's just like a lot of these very small independent companies. It's like 10 years before they even just answer a question. So ours got ordered. It should be here. I want to say in the next three, four weeks, we ordered it like the beginning of July or something. So okay. they're much quicker. The just jump mat, I've heard reordering it could sometimes you may not get it for like eight, nine months, right? But the Whoa. just plyo mat, because the problem is with the, all the mats, it's not the mat and it's not the box that records the number. It's the cord that breaks. And if you okay. deal with, and if you're doing like dumbbell jumps and stuff like that, the kids love to throw the dumbbells anywhere. So yep. the dumbbells a lot of times and them stepping we'll on the, the wire, it breaks the cord. So the cord art looks like it's like split and stuff. 
But the Plyomat company, their mat actually works with our box. So, and then the, the dude that said it, um, he said later on, we'll come and we can fix a wire of your old mat for $50. So we'll oh, have dude. another mat and then we can yep. use their box with our old mat. So we'll eventually have two mats. The only difference is the Plyomat. I think the, like just for the mat part, I think the Plyomat's like six or 700, whereas the jump mat is four. But the okay. Plyomat, you can use one box and you can have like three or four mats connected to one box. Whoa. So you honestly, if you have a lot of kids, you'd honestly yep. save more money using their brand than you would okay. the Just Jump mat. And the Plow mat is quicker response and quicker shipping by like a lot. So, no, and like in settings, it's way quicker. The Vertex, and you you use it, it takes for, yeah. if you want to do like yep. workouts and you got a lot yep. of kids, that yep. Jump no, mat is boom, back to back, back to yep. back, back to back. Okay. So here's here's my question then. So with the Vertec, I, I feel like there is something to be said for someone to jump up and literally touch something. You know, it's like it, it replicates. The vert, that's the thing. That's so that's yeah. the thing. And we always go over this because people <coughs> will look at the jump mat and be like, "You can cheat on that." And I say at the Vertec at the combines, kids literally get taught how to cheat on that. They're both gonna cheat. The difference is in training, the jump mat is way more practical. Yeah. And the Vertec, we have found since we have both, the kids, because of the visualization, they always jump higher on the Vertec. Yep, so it's like, why not just get the jump mat? Because it's faster, it's quicker. And I don't have to take all this time readjusting. I take all the human error out of it. And when they go yep. to the combine, they usually do better on it because they have something to touch. Like, okay. like optimally, I wish we just had a rim in the gym. Because yep. I would do jump mat jumps. And then just go jump up or like even have the jump mat underneath and then go jump up on the damn on onto the rim, you yep. know, like something like that. Because then you could go, well, if the kid can touch above the backboard. You can get the exact measurement. You don't even have to go measure it because then the jump mat would tell, you know what I mean? Like if we're talking like the best way you could do it. So you have the court, you just need yep. the mat. And, and you the with mat. the amount of kids yep. you have. Oh yeah. You yep. got to go with the mat. I mean, you okay. could do 30 right. kids in two minutes. That vertex. Oh, I don't goodness. know how long that takes, <laughs> dude. Because well, I, because I do, I do every twelve weeks. I do testing, athletic yeah. testing. So I'll do yeah. a shuttle drill variation. I'll do verticals. Obviously, I have to do their reaches because they're changing all the time because they're growing. Right. Um, I'll do a three quarter court sprint. Like so, I'm doing like nine to ten different tests, twelve days yeah. a week with 170 kids, yeah. and it's horrible. Yes. So horrible. And like you said, the human error thing, I'm always fearful. I'm like, all right, did I make a mistake with this? Did I stop my stopwatch too early? Because I haven't bought the mm -hmm. gates yet either. So. Oh, yeah. You got to yeah. get the Brower or the Tendo unit for the sprint. For Tendo the sprint unit, time. yeah. 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 So anyways, um, oh, yeah, that's that's the thing, right? <laughs> like when you're trying to buy all these expensive pieces of equipment. But um, okay, so you said resisted sprints so, or resisted jumps. So yes. I really enjoy doing um, – so, like, if I take a kid and I have two dumbbells in their hands, I'll have them come down to, like, a counter jump position, so, like, a quarter squat. We'll mm -hmm. hold for three seconds, release the dumbbells, and explode up. Uh, we'll do things like that. Um, I do not feel like it's very safe to – you know, like, when you see, like uh, – uh, well, I don't want to say names because I don't want to have anyone, like, get pissed off, but, but – um, when trainers wrap resistance bands around their athletes and then they have them jump up, I just feel like that's just not safe. <laughs> I, so I don't need a lawsuit. on. My How do they do that? Uh, well, like they'll, they'll attach like a really long resistance band around their waist and they'll have mm -hmm. them go jump up and try and get to the rim. And oh, um, that, like, yeah, that one, I think people do that with the vertex. 
I mean, the vert, okay. vertimax thing. Vertimax, yeah, because yeah. jumping up, but the resistance is pulling you back. Does it like if anytime I have them do anything like that, it's like weight vest or something like that. But yep, pulling you backwards yeah. or you trying to go forward doesn't make much sense. Exactly. So that was the other thing I say. Weighted vests, I feel like a are pretty cool. And then you can um you can do some pretty inventive things with bands. Like you can hook it to a squat rack and then go around one shoulder and then a band around the other shoulder. So it's like an yep. X frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, most of our um our jump training is from contrast methods. So they'll do, you know, three deadlifts or three squats, and then they'll release, and then they'll do a box jump, or they'll do a okay. like a rim grab or something like that. And then mm-hmm. it just like you said, it, it flows well with the workout. Um, I could have a line of two to three kids there and they're excited for their turn. They'll do it. And then, you know, they'll come back in and then they don't have to wait longer than like, you know, 45 seconds before they get another rep in. So um, I feel like that's the most time efficient and safe thing to do um, with the athletes, with the spaces that I have. So do you guys have a, a reverse hypers or a belt squat? Okay. So we don't have a belt squat. I do want to get one. I want to get a pit shark or, something like that but uh, we do have a reverse hyper and i'm mm. a huge fan of doing the body weight reverse hypers and that's one thing i've been very surprised with younger kids also is their posterior chain strength um on a reverse hyper is really really poor like they can't even bring themselves up to be in line with their shoulders so so mm. that's something that i work on a lot with them um and then also i'm a big fan of band resisted reverse hypers um so we'll just attach a band to the the frame and then They'll hook it around the heels, and then they'll do that re- that reverse hyper motion, and then hold it and come down nice and smooth. Um, and I feel like it's a little bit safer on their spine. I've mm-hmm. never I, I love the reverse hyper machine, but unfortunately, I've just never really had a whole lot of success with it. Like I'll do it, and then I just feel like my back's just pretty jacked up afterwards. So, um, so yeah, I haven't bought a reverse hyper machine. I just use the reverse hyper option on the glute ham raise with the the oh, okay. one. Yeah, okay. so that's what we do. Um, and then you say you're looking to get a belt squat. Yeah, I'd really like I would, to get a belt squat sometime soon. I would definitely go with either Wenning's belt squat or the Rogue. Okay. One. It's okay. The, I think the Rogue one. The only problem with the Rogue, so we just got the Rogue one attached to the Rogue rack, and the only flaw it has in it is just like the Westside barbell ATP, where the cord sometimes comes off the track and it's annoying when you got to put it back on. Oh, okay. But the Wenning belt squat. It, yeah, I've used that the, one. Where it, it kind of pitches you forward a little bit with the belt. Yeah. But the Rogue, it has the handles like the winning, but because it's a court, it goes straight down. There's no pitch forward. I think it's the okay. best one. And it's it just like the winning, it carries over more. It's closer to what your regular squat is when you go hands off. Yep. The pitch yep. shark, I haven't been on, but everyone I know that's been on all of them, Say the pitch mm-hmm. shark, you can do like it's like a leg press. You can do like double the weight that you normally would squat. It's like and too easy. That, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That I had really good um, experiences with the waning one and the pitch shark, and I think the pitch shark was just because of the weight, like you said. Yeah. So, now you're yeah. like because like when I have kids when they first come in, actually almost any age, I basically the first three to six weeks they they all belt squat first because yep. none of them come in with even decent form, and I know that also means they can't walk out weight. So I'm like, yeah. you're going you're gonna to belt squat. And it's like, it's been amazing. Like, I can't imagine not having it now that I'm looking. Like, just like, especially if the kid is strong. It's like, well, now I'm relying on what the heaviest dumbbell or kettlebell I have. Yes. And 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 then I got to still have them pick it up, walk it out. Like, it's like belt squat, unrack, re-rack, boom. 
Now yep. we're taking yep. out all those other things that you're not, you need to just worry about squatting first. So now it's part yeah. of your progression. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah, it's it's like the first thing everybody starts with because they're going to start jumping and running faster and getting stronger from accessories and the jumping and the running. They don't necessarily yep. need to put a bar in their back in the beginning. And I feel like more often than not, they're going to do like, if I can reinforce them, knees out chest up and just worry yep. about that in the beginning and then it's like all right now we're gonna learn how to walk out the weight and put it back like yep. i think that's it that's definitely like yeah i think out of all the pieces of equipment even before like reverse hypers i would probably say the belt squat because with the athletes the squats usually going to be the most important and it's the hardest to learn and the belt squats like the easiest tool to start getting them because also that belt pulls you where you need to go too Mm-hmm. it's yep, harder it to does. cheat and start trying to the just completely hunch over yep and then you get it yep. you're getting no spinal compression while they mm-hmm. need to strengthen their back up you know they, they have yep, a weak 100%. back they come in all the time too yeah no you're right yeah no and and i feel like that's a really rewarding um thing as a coach to watch a kid that has, has a really hard time bracing and and yeah. even balance and, and then you take them through the progressions of whatever you're doing with your squat and then next thing you know they've got a bar in their back and they are squatting really well and then you take the mm-hmm. box away and now they're free squatting it's really really cool journey to watch them and then it's also they understand the importance of the box and of the pit shark or whatever you know belt squat you're using so they don't have a hard time going back to that to strengthen yes. themselves up to coming back out to the free weight squat. So, no, I, I love it, man. It's so cool. How, how much do you free squat versus box squat once the uh, kid can do both? They, This is where they really have to earn it. So, I right now in my college group, I have – or college and high school group, because like, I, I mix the uh, the seniors up with the, the college kids. Yeah. Um, I have two girls that uh, – I haven't graduated off the box yet. And that's just because they're still like the bracing is still a bit of an issue and there's still some things that I can tell they're not very comfortable with it yet, you know? Mm. So, but I'd say like, um, yeah, I think it's just those two girls, but like everyone else, they, they have the option to, to squat free weight. And I have such a good relationship with them and I know them so well that I'll ask them how they're feeling. Um, I'll ask them what their energy levels are that day. And then um, based off of what I want them to do in the weight room, I'll kind of say, well, this is what I feel like you should be doing. So if yeah. someone, so I'll talk about London again. So London runs a lot, right? And um, I know that she doesn't ever like to do the B version of anything just because she's so competitive, mm-hmm. but um, she trusts me. And I, I have the kind of relationship where I'm going to be like, no, you're going to get hurt if you do this. You need to listen to me now. So if she's just ran three miles that morning um, and she's coming in and she's feeling kind of tight and her knees are sore, I know that she's going to have um, a tendency to lean forward a little bit more on a free squat. So then I'll always put a box underneath her and she'll mm-hmm. get that movement pattern down. Um, whereas there are some other kids that like, they don't do the excessive running outside. They just, they come in, they do what we do. Um, their knees are feeling great. And as long as their, you know, first two or three uh, warm up sets are, are looking good, then yeah, they're, they're good to free weight and, and we can go from there. But, but yeah, no, they all have, they all have different relationships with me in terms of, um, where they are on their journey. So I wouldn't say there's a status quo right across the board. Like not everyone is doing the same exercise. And then now that I say that, like when I'm writing up on the whiteboard, the workout, um, if I know I've got certain individuals in the weight room in my high school group, I'll write down this, 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 like, so I'll do a goblet box squat, barbell box squat, barbell free squat or front squat, depending on what we're doing that day. And then I'll assign certain kids to that lift. 
Um, so mm. that way they, they know that I'm thinking about them and it's a lot easier for them to accept, okay, Ben wants me to front squat today or Ben wants me to box squat with a kettlebell today um, as opposed to this is what we're doing. Oh, you can't do that. you got to do this because then they feel like they're not good enough and it just yeah. starts to work out off on a bad, bad note, right? Well, um, have you tried with the kids that have a troubled time with just a lot of form in general or just to build more mobility, more heel elevated free squats? Uh-huh. Yeah, we've done some heel elevator work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we've had some success with that too. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's a great tool to use. And then, you know, but we don't always do the heel elevated squat there. But, um, mm. but, but it's definitely one of those progression tools that I use for sure. And it kind of depends on what you're doing as well. How much uh, step downs work are you doing? Or uh, I guess these cell steps up. Step yeah, yeah. I think it's a technical term. Or the knee, like we made fun of the knees over toe guy, but he really just stole everything from Poggin. So, how, how yep. much uh, you know more knee over toe lunge stuff do you do? I mean, are you saving it more for like okay, this kid is extremely tight. I can see that they probably need to do some of this type of stuff. Or the VMO is extremely weak, so I'm going to do more detail step ups. Like, where do you have that in there? Okay, so for the um, for the high school and the college kids, I pretty much see um them every single day actually so i have on my tuesday thursday groups i have a strength and conditioning only class where we don't do basketball for that age group and that's where i have some kids come in that are lacrosse players football players um just some musicians even that just want to come in and Mm -hmm. lift but then i also have my basketball players in there too um so on our tuesday thursday um groups what we actually do is we'll do a uh, some mobility work um, we'll we'll do some cars and then we'll do some rails and pails. So we do that functional range of motion stuff, and yes, that awesome. that helps so much with just getting them in the right positions. We'll, Honestly, um, think if you do that, you don't need to yep. do I a lot of other stuff that's supposedly doing mobility because that's actually drenched in at the joint level and yep. the neurological level. I mean, um, uh-huh. that's the that's the only cert that I really care about that I don't have because I've been doing it for like eight years. And yeah, I actually awesome. have a coach that I pay for that actually does it with me. And it's like, bro, that that's the – as far as mobility, everybody that I know that has that and has every other mobility service, but, like, this is the one that really works. It's like that's, yeah. that's why it sucks. That's why it sucks. It's a real workout exactly. on its own. <laughs> exactly. And it takes – let's see. So we do a two-minute hold in that certain position, whatever we're hitting okay. that day. Then we'll do the rails and pails, and then we'll yeah. sink into it for another minute. So you're looking at about, yeah. like, eight minutes total. Um, yeah. And those kids that come in on the Tuesday, Thursday, a lot of them, obviously, Monday, Wednesday, Friday kids too, but they understand, okay, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're doing this a good, you know, 15 minutes of our workout is going to be, you know, getting our body feeling right. And then after we do the um, FRC work, we'll do um, just like two corrective exercises and then some CNS stuff. And that is like our final test to be like, okay, what should we be doing you know, as opposed to what we have planned. Um, but almost 100% of the time, man, like it's we're doing plan A with those kids because we've done the the rails and pails and we've found that, that new range of motion and we've tr- kind of tricked our central nervous system into hitting that position and firing off. It's it's really quite amazing. Now, the CNS but, stuff, are, are you doing – is that when you're just doing the warm-up stuff that you normally would do or are you doing maybe okay. like ISOs and stuff like that? Okay, so for the for that for that particular class, the way that session would go, so we'll come in, we'll hit some mobility work, might get a monkey bar, brachial hang in there.
then we'll go into our uh, rails and pails. So whatever it is. So if it's a, an upper body day and we're going to be benching that day, um, I'll have them down in a prone position um, and maybe have like um, a foam roller out and I'll have them in a, a standard position, like a Y position. And we'll do our rails and pails and really try and work that scapula and that lat. Um, after we've done that, um, the rails and pails, then we'll do um, a corrective exercise, whether it's scat push-ups or um, like a slow eccentric uh, plyometric push-up for two or three reps. And then, um, you know, pair that with like a medicine ball. We'll do like three to four rounds of that just back to back with no rest, get their heart rate going again. Um, and then that usually completes every facet of the warm up from the mobility to the, the rails and pails to the CNS stuff. And then we're good to go into our, um, our major lift for the day. And they're, they're like focused and ready to go. Okay. Now, where do you, um, as far as basketball wise, where, what do you uh, – I mean, there's so many ways I see people training basketball players. Oftentimes, it's too goddamn complicated. They're oh, doing yeah. step backs and can't do a one-dribble pull-up. So, yep. being that you have that hour, <laughs> how do you uh, best utilize that time? Are you doing, like, um, block type where we're – okay, we're going to do one-dribble pull-ups today, and we're doing – got to do a certain amount of makes from one, two, three, four, and five spots – or are you yep. doing like just 10 reps at a certain move, move on to the next move? Like, how do you kind of, or do you conjugate that too, where it's like, okay, we're going to go in waves. We're doing, you know, that, you know we can yeah. go crazy with it. You know, so how do you, how do you kind of make these steps? And you do, but that's, that's like the, the beauty and the curse about doing this, pardon me, is I can do whatever I want, right? So yes, yes. a lot of times there's some experimentation too. Like, okay, how yeah. is this going to work? But no, right along with what you just said. So I'll explain to them like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to be doing today. We're focusing on post moves today, and so we'll start with the mic and drill, or then we'll go into some like uh, power dribbles into jump hooks, or we'll do like a lot of shooting off of moving, so a lot of catch and shoot work. Um, I'm not a big fan of using cones, to be honest with you, because they're mm -hmm. not in the game. But it kind of limits time, you sometimes. Oh my goodness, I feel like it does. Yeah, but at the same time, it really, really helps the younger kids. Um, in terms of get spatial awareness and get yeah, exactly yeah. and get getting their head up and looking up and, and seeing where they need to be going yeah. so we'll be doing yeah it's a lot of rep based stuff and a lot of competition work so mm -hmm. if i have 20 kids in a class and i've got you know uh, will you be using the elbows will be four groups of five we'll do two to three minutes of the drill uh so let's yeah. say for instance i want them to work on um a crossover move um, into a one dribble pull-up jump shot from there after the change of direction. So we'll work on it for two to three minutes, make sure everyone's kind of on board with what we're doing. And then after that, we'll go into competition. All right, first team to get 10 makes wins, and then losing team does, you know. Yeah, that's like how uh, we did in college, 10 black when, when you have so yep. many kids. Like, you, like we would do, like, yeah. catch and shoot with partners for a minute. Then it's like, yep. okay, catch one dribble. Okay, catch one dribble step back. Okay, catch one dribble layup, you know, blah, blah. Like, you do yep. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, you, you can't do it without taking more than an hour if you don't do it like that. Yeah, so, yeah you, that you have sense. to do it that way. And <laughs> then it's good because it's short and it's sweet and it's to the point. And then I'm very, very basic, man. Like, I know a lot of the skills trainers that you'll see online right now, they're having kids do, like, the jelly moves and all that. And I'm like, yeah. great, great. That's awesome. But guess what? A kid that's good is going to block that shot every single time. So <laughs> practice it. Practice it and pretend like you're being Dr. J or, you know, whatever in the backyard. But, but that's 5%. 5% of your training. 100%. Yeah. And especially in the exactly. beginning. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, like we're going up with two hands and then you, you release it as you extend. We're not we're not going one hand on the gala, none of that crap right now, you know. Um, if you want to work on that a little bit later on, we will. But no, it's very, very basic stuff, fundamentally sound, because I want these kids to be put in the best position when they try out for their high school team or eventually a college team. To I want them to have written by their name fundamentally sound and coachable. Those are the two most important things. Yeah. So I will get on them more on the court um, for the little things like body language and um, you know, if I say to hustle in, if they're not hustling and they take a couple extra shots, I'll be like, listen, you've got, you've got coaches around here that are racist that don't like <laughs> you because of your last name. No, I'm mm. serious. Cause this mm. area especially is very political. Right. And then mm. I'm very proud to say that I have a very like multicultural um, group of kids. Like I've got, you know, some African-Americans, I got a lot of Polynesians. Like I love it. Mm. And there are racist freaking people around, you know, oh, yeah. and, well, and, Utah's uh, known for screaming the word nigga oh, at a goodness. damn player in the NBA game. So imagine out there with kids behind the scenes. You know, I know that shit's bad. And that breaks my heart to hear that too, man, because I, I'm not a jazz fan at all. But I've been to a bunch of jazz games and I've never heard that. But but the, I know the types of people that would be going to that game to yeah. say that. You know what I mean? And yeah. it just breaks my heart because I'm like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, first of all, 90% of the jazz roster, well, probably not even, <laughs> like 75%, right? Because we always have... Yeah. They always like to go for the clean-cut white guy from Europe. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, at least 75% of the jazz roster is black. So what, what are you doing that for? Yeah. What are you doing? You're listening to their music. You're, you're coming and supporting them. What are you yelling that crap for? You're wearing Jordans right now. You're wearing Nikes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't understand yeah. racism in, in any facet, but especially in sports. I just don't understand it. But anyways, but I'll well, tell that's them, our like, country, man. You gotta take the good with oh, the bad. Right. That's our country. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, but you gotta deal with that racist, oh, sexist, man. homophobic shit all day. Jeez. You know? well, I would tell people, but this is the thing: interracial marriage. That's the only way. When everybody's brown, it won't matter no more. But we're so still we, gonna find something to hate. It's gonna go find keep something mixing to hate. the pot that's up. <laughs> you know, that's human. That's human nature. You got yeah, black people that hate gay people, and it's like you're saying the same thing that they said yeah. you were. They say you're less than, you're an idiot, something's wrong with you. Now y'all just saying about gay people, but you know, <sighs> people are brainwashed, you know. So Yeah, and with social it's media sad. it's getting worse, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I'll yeah, tell oh, yeah. I'll tell the kids, I'll be like, listen, I, I'm doing this because I want you guys to have every chance possible to succeed and get a free education True. and and, and mm-hmm. so if if you're a black kid, right, and you're training out for a school that's got a white coach and you know he's got a son that's on the team and and Ooh. and he's a little bit racist himself and mm-hmm. you give him any little edge all he's got to do is label you as lazy or label you as this and then and then he's justified in his thinking for not putting you on his team so i say like fuck that coach bust your ass like you know hustle like do everything you need to do so that way they cannot cut you. And then if they do cut you, you're going up to them and being like, hi, coach, thanks for the opportunity. What's something I can work on so I can make the team next season? Like, I'm always mm-hmm. about self-betterment and improvement, and you've got to do it. Yeah. And because a lot of these kids these days, they're too scared to talk to adults. Yes. Like, they're real, like, My you know, God. they're social. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so I'm trying to teach them all of these things um, when they're here on the court too. But, but yeah, very, very basic stuff, man. Just catching and shooting, shooting off the dribble, um, hustling on rebounds. Like, do you remember in the last dance, Dennis Rodman, he, um, he talked about rebounding. He's like, yeah, I'll just, you know, in the middle of the night, I have two or three of my friends come in and shoot the ball and I just rebound for him. 
you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and he'd say, like, and, and he would talk about <laughs> how, like, if Larry Bird would shoot the ball, it would spin a certain way, so I know it would hit the rim this way and then come off that way. And I'm like, I'll play that, that clip obsessed. for the kids. But that's but that's he got a he got a lot of money just doing that. (laughs) He extended his career just because of that. Give me another. (laughs) Oh my god! Give me like another power forward that you'd rather have on your team than that guy. (laughs) Honestly, like with if you could have your ultimate starting five, but then you have the power. Well, no, if I had my if I if I could pick, I would pick KG because he has a lot of that. Plus, okay, I'm I'm so glad you I'm so glad you said guy next. He's my favorite, but but like Dennis Dennis Rodman is like the. I mean, other than you've seen some of the stat lines: twenty eight rebounds, ten blocks, and no points. points. Yeah, (laughs) he would literally have a wide open lane. Back out to Jordan. I'm getting another rebound. Yep. I love it. But uh, but I'll play that clip for the kids sometimes. They'll be like, listen, this guy was a janitor in an airport. He was a mm. janitor in an airport. Someone said, hey, you should come and play basketball. And he's like, okay. And he did. And he ended up being one of the greatest power forwards that have ever played the game. Mm-hmm. And it was purely because of who he was as a person and his mindset. He was a rebounding machine and he played with his heart. You can't yeah. fake that. So you got to develop it now because as soon as you start developing any kind of uh, laziness um, or any kind of habit like that, then you're done. Like you're just going to be labeled. And then next thing you know, like you're not going to make a team and then you're done, you know? So you've got to like from a young age, you know, you got to develop that passion. And then every single thing you do on that court from the rebounding, like, Oh, I've got to rebound. I'm not shooting. Yeah. That means you got to rebound well and you got to get that pass to the shooter right where they need it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so things like that. So I, I stress about the little things too. So it's not just about like, you know, you know this cone drill and then this jelly move and then let's throw it on instagram it's it's basic stuff but it works um uh so what are your goals moving forward i tell you what man five years ago if you said well 10 years ago now if you said hey do you want to own your own business i said nope because (laughs) that to me was so scary because um you know, growing up, I was around um, some family members that had their own businesses, and I saw what that did to them. And I'm like, I don't want to. No, hell no. Like <laughs> they're always stressed out. The money situation, taxes. Um, you know, like I just felt like it just wasn't an appealing thing. So I initially thought, you know, oh, you know, uh, working for an NBA team would be the best thing ever, or working mm. for like a university. But through my experience there, I'm like, you know what, like here I am, like, I can, I can actually say I'm a business owner now. I can't believe that. And it's going well. So where do I want to go from here? I don't know. Like, do I want to own my own facility? Do I want to take that on? And then, and like all the financial stuff that comes along with that, you know, like that's, that's a little scary to me right now. So, but then again, with what I'm doing, I'm relying on the relationship that I have with people that own a facility right. for my, for my, you know, my position here. So um, the corny answer is I want to keep doing what I'm doing and then just see the kids, you know, develop because mm-hmm. I've been doing it for so long now that I, I've seen some of these kids turn into adults. Um, you know, it's, it's really sad to say this, but I've been to a couple of funerals. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going the, I'm going to the primary children's hospital every now and then if a kid gets in an accident, you know, so you yeah. truly, truly develop like a love for these kids and for the community. Um, but in terms of like, if I could snap my fingers, you know, honestly, clearly, I feel like I, I do eventually one day want to have my own facility where oh, yeah, I can have my, that's only yeah. direction to be going. You just, it's, like yeah. what I've what I've seen and what I've seen with work is that 
everybody that's been successful that has a, a big place and keeps it for a while is that they started off like garage size. Yep, and you just yep. keep all your shit, you know, low. So you don't have all that overhead and you only bring on people if you absolutely need them and want them. And that yep. way you're taking way more of a profit. You know, that's, that's, that's what I've been learning. <laughs> the, only, the only issue with that, my man, is this freaking basketball court that I'm standing on right now. Oh, you well. That's gonna it's be part cheap. of your. That's that's what it's that's what my plan is. You got You got <laughs> Got to put down that court. <laughs> yeah, the court. Well, you could, you the... always think you could. Always, I mean, I guess it depends on where your Utah is snow. Because I was gonna say you could always do the open shed type deal, or oh, your shed that. just has to be, you know, ten to fifteen thousand to fit a nice court. I mean, but do you need a full court? Probably with all the kids you have. Yeah, I mean, maybe I it's I just do. tight. Like yep. you could put one of those nice nets so it goes right onto the turf. Into your weight room, you know what I mean? So you're not like, oh, I got I to gotta wall this thing up. No, just put that net that can go from the ceiling, and you just open it up and put it back. I know you've seen one of those, and then you just have yeah. your weight room right to the side. So here's mm-hmm. one thing I haven't talked about yet, but I, I would get asked through the years, like, oh, do you, can you suggest a place for my kid? Because I would just do the skills training, right? Yeah. And um, the, the parents would be like, well, where's a, like a league I can put my kids in? Like, can you suggest one? And I would do this research and I could, in good conscience, I could not suggest one because it was all political. It was all, it was crap. Like the referees wouldn't call anything. Um, it was just really, really poor. So I'm, I finally got to the point where I'm like, you know, I have enough kids here. What if I just put out um, a feeler and I just asked parents like, hey, would you want your kid to be a part of a league and we could do the games here where we train? That's and uh, the, the response was uh, overwhelmingly positive. And so we just wrapped up about three weeks ago, we wrapped up our very first season. So we did um, four different age groups. Uh, we had one age group where they were on uh, eight foot rims, but then all the other age groups were on 10 foot hoops and uh, played mm-hmm. full court. And I refereed every single freaking game. And um, I, I would referee in a way that if I had to call a travel or a double dribble, I would, I would teach them for like five to 10 seconds what they did wrong so they understood it. And it was amazing because the first two or three weeks, it was kind of like, okay, they're doing all right. But by weeks four, five, and six, man, it's like, are these the same kids? They knew mm-hmm. what they were doing. They understood the game. They weren't staring at the parents. Um, it was amazing. So, yeah, so I started a league, and we're actually going to be doing three seasons a year now. And, and um, you know, so I've now created essentially from the train, the skills, strength, and conditioning program, a league that can come into. And so it's like kind of come full circle there. So, there but yeah, so if I ever did my own place just because of the league alone, I, I honestly if I could snap my fingers or wave the magic wand, I think I would need two courts. <laughs> you got to save when you know that ain't going to hit you that hard. Yeah. You got yeah, to wait. You wait, get that nice facility with a, maybe a discount or something. Or, or maybe nice. when you get a big enough house, you know, with a big enough yard. Uh, ah. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're dreaming big, bigger than me. I'll have to, no, I'll have you to can talk do more it. often. You yeah, so... I don't know. I just, I just want to, and again, I'm not, I have no aspirations for getting involved in politics or anything outside of what I'm doing, but I, I understand the importance of, of what people like you and I are doing for our community. Not only does it get them off the streets, but it, it provides that structure and that the opportunity to develop yes. discipline as an athlete. And, and, you know, guys like you and I, like we'll stress the importance of the strength and conditioning, but we also will stress to them, like they need to be good people. They need yeah. to, um, they need to be, you know, focused in school because if you're not eligible, you're not getting any court time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I went through it my freshman year. Oh my quick, Isn't that for me? <laughs> yeah. So now it's, um, yeah, man, it's just, 
it's a really cool surreal thing and and now that i've got i've got a kid you know my son is in my program so i train him and it's really cool to see him how old is he now out here he's six yeah he'll be seven in october does he listen to you most of the time (laughs) but he i'll put him in timeout real quick (laughs) i mean now i've started doing at my gym i said Oh, you don't want to listen? All right, that's fine. You got a hundred hypers, man. Kids, stop yeah. real quick. Yes, I <laughs> and I said, true, well, your right? deadlift, either you're going to listen and you're going to do it right and not do hypers, or your deadlift's going to keep going up. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's true. Very true. Yeah, man. So it's fun. It's, it's, I'm, I'm feel very, very blessed. So, and then, you know, to, I feel real, it's really important to keep uh, branching out in terms of uh, connections. So, um, you know, like guys from the rack and, uh, you know, Allegiate and, um, I'm really involved with Joe DeFranco and Smitty and Obi and, and like just all of these, these really cool guys throughout the country. And we're all doing similar things and, and we're all kind of like teaching each other and learning from each other and shouting out each other. And I feel like we're just, you know, we're in the, the thick of it and we're just trying to make strength and conditioning as a category and as a field better for the, you know, the future coaches to come, but also for yeah. the athletes that we have, um, jurisdiction over. Anything else you want to say before we, before we sign off? No, nah, man. I think we've done a long one, so we're good. I just, <laughs> I'm just grateful. Like, I mean, when you reached out to me, so I was um, in the hospital, right? Because we just mm-hmm. had our baby girl, and she had a really, really, really rough start. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, you know, uh, oh, it was horrible. So I had my I'm wife down on one better, floor. Thank yeah, thank you, man. But I had my wife down on one floor. I had my baby up on another floor. And I'm going I – I never stopped working. So I'm mm-hmm. going up, down, to work, watch the kids. Like, I'm trying to – like, so when you sent me that message um, asking me if I'd be willing to come on the podcast and you liked what I was doing, it was – I mean, I'm not one of those people that need to hear I'm doing a good job very often. Yeah. But but at that time, emotionally and, and, like, you reached out at a time where I was like, oh, man, like, even though I've got all this stuff going on, like I feel like I'm still doing the right thing and I'm on the right path. So, so for you to just invite me to be on your podcast, which has got quite a list of impressive um, <laughs> uh, guests, um, I'm a, very, very honored. So thank you so well, much. I'm trying to do, you know, just trying to spread that knowledge. Hey, if you're in Utah, hit up my boy, Ben. There's, oh, man, there's, so, yeah. there's so much bad training out there. I yeah, feel like exactly. there is no competition. It's just, you just need to find someone in that location. I mean, when I have kids yep. go back home or they've moved, it's still sometimes hard, depending on where they go, to, for me to find somebody. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, damn, I guess we ain't got – like, I'll hit up all my coaches. Kid goes here, kid goes here. I'm like, oh, damn, I'm going to have to program exactly. and let's see what we can do with a crunch. You know? That's it's true. Like, so I'm just trying yeah. to highlight all these people that are good and great at what they're doing, passionate, and not settle where they are. You know, it's that same Bowie mentality yeah, yeah, great, great. You think I'm great, but I'm still gonna read everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we're always learning. And Especially guys, you do like, basketball, so it's always close to home. Yeah. Right? Oh man. <laughs> well, and then right, like with basketball, like there really aren't that many great trainers. Like, yeah. And they might be good on the skills side, but they're they're not doing the strength and conditioning side because they're usually just these skinny guys themselves that don't <laughs> lift, right? Yeah. So to be to be like you and I, where we do both, where we work with athletes on the court and in the weight room. Like, I feel like we're kind of unique in that aspect. Um, but like, likewise, right back at you, man. Like, anyone going to Atlanta, like, you better go and wheel <laughs> up. And I know I know that Rob's there, and he'll he'll make you feel like a dumbass because he's so smart and Jermaine's <laughs> a cool dude. And so you got a cool crew down there. So 
But yeah, no, anything you ever need, man, you just reach out and, and uh, I've got to get down to Atlanta and, and see. Well, I got um, my seminar is going to be at, you know, Blake Bernard Gym, Grindhouse in California, Bakersfield. Okay. Yep. Well, hit, when, well you should check him out that? too because he's really good. It's going to be December uh, on Saturday, Sunday, which I believe is the 4th and 5th. Okay. Or third and, right. I think it's the 3rd and 4th. That's when it's going to be. So, okay. Yep, and that's so right. that's probably like an hour flight or something like that for you. So it's oh, not gonna be that far. No so worries. Yeah. I, I would like great. to hopefully meet you then yeah. and you know absorb some of the knowledge because hopefully I'll get a lot of good coaches again this year out for the, for that. Hell yeah, that'll be a that'll be a great experience. Well, yeah, send me that information, and then we'll uh, we'll make that happen, and I'll make sure I get there. Yes, sir. I um I had I've already used up my uh, my trips for the year, but I think getting to <laughs> Bakersfield, I'll be okay. Well, just having the baby, right? Like I already went to yeah. I was in the New Jersey, New York area for the CPPS one um, a few okay. months ago at Varsity House, and then I was in uh, at Allegiant for a whole week. So it's okay. like, ah, uh, uh, Meredy, uh, can I go here now? <laughs> uh, so you, I so guess yeah. you're not going to the Swiss. You know, this, this I, I wanted to so bad. And then when that, when that <laughs> it's came gonna be up, my I'm first like, one. It's supposed to be the best one. So it's like, it's going to be amazing. You know, I I haven't even. I mean, it sounds like I'm like a, a big pussy here when I say I haven't asked, but no, I just I feel bad because you know when you have a newborn, it's like oh no, I trust me, like that's I, everybody. That's everybody. I'd be deserting her, <laughs> and I will come back and I will uh, not live that one down, but. But, you know, that one and the Swiss will be, oh, my goodness. So you're going to that, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, man. Jeez. <laughs> all right. Well, you have fun at that. I'll see you in Bakersfield, though. That's for sure. Yes, sir. But, all right. But, yeah, no, thank you so much for everything. And, um, yeah. It was my pleasure, man. All right, man. Okay. You, have a, you have a good day. Get back home to them kids. Yeah, <laughs> man. Okay, have a good one. We'll see you. Have a good week. You too. Bye. Well, that's all she wrote for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I hope you also see um, a common thing when it comes to training kids and athletes, you know, the level of care that's provided. Um, I feel like I appreciate that even, and I'm not even the kids that uh, this coach or another coach have trained, but you feel that common denominator is care and love for the kids, you know, however you show it, but that's, you know, they, there's more buy-in when you care, you know, so you got the perfect program, but if you're an ass, Kids ain't going to be going that extra mile for you, you know. So on that note, I end there. Um, you know, you can follow me on Instagram, K-A-L-I-L underscore S-H-E-R-O-D. That's where you can DM me. If you're a coach or no coach, if you'd like to be on the podcast, let me know. Um, that's the best way to reach me. If you'd like to buy the book, you can go to the link tree in the bio to there. Um, make sure to share, like, leave a review, share with friends. Uh, we're going to do this seminar now. On, I believe it's the 3rd and the 4th of December. Uh, still at Blake's in Cali because um, just because we want to give enough space between that and the Swiss that I'll be going to myself. So I get enough time to spread it out because of work, but also so that people um, that are going to that won't be like, all right, the next week I got to go to Khalil's, you know. So, um, well, that's all she wrote. Remember, stay clean. Peace. <laughs>